Okay, guys, after the show, but not really after the show, because I'm cutting out with about 30 minutes of Fezzik going deep dive into the preseason. That's at the almost the end of the pod. I won't be there, so don't hold me responsible. I think it, you'll make a lot of money if you listen, but you won't laugh very much. But, you know, you can laugh all the way to the bank, Fez. There you go. Okay. Speaking of laughing all the way to the bank, NFL preseason. Now, I've said this once. I'll say it again. When Warren Buffett said a variation of this, he's a pretty smart investor, right? <laughs> yeah, you he think? Knows his stuff. I mean, apparently the crypto people say he doesn't know anything, mm. but, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't know much about crypto, so I can't judge it, but when Warren Buffett and Elon Musk are saying <laughs> be concerned, I think you'd be concerned. But an offshoot of that is when your opponent is um, greedy, that's the time to be conservative to be safe and when you and maybe you could say to be scared i think that's how the quote went but if your opponent is scared it's a time to be greedy Greedy. so i get asked all the time how much uh, how easy is it to beat this sport or that sport and you know what fez i don't even need to know what sport like i don't need to know formula one or whatever anything about it just tell me what the limits are and I'll tell you how confident the bookie is. NFL sides, 100,000 game day, baby. You know what? They're damn confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, college basketball totals in a small conference in February, $300 limit if you're lucky. Yeah, first half team total, 300 They're scared. You be greedy. Well, that applies to the NFL preseason. They're scared, Fez. They right? Are. They are. Time for us to get greedy. And you can get the very best picks. Here's the coupon, NFL X. Now, I never was an NFL X guy, but that means exhibition season. NFL X 25. So it's all one word. There's four letters, N, F, L, then X, then the number two, the number five, NFL 25. You can go to pick NFL them. X 25. Yeah, NFL X 25. Exactly. And NFL X 25. Now. You go there, you throw the coupon in, you get 25% off anything. It's good just through Monday. Will Baltimore continue their 20-game winning streak? You got, some, you got a movement, Fez. You're thinking maybe not. We'll talk about it. Now, last thing I'm going to say. How do we do at pregame.com in football? Well, we know me and Fez with our various other partners over the years are the only – I think we're the only. We'll have that for next week. But we have the best record over four years in the Super Contest, gold, of anyone. Does that apply to, like, you don't even have to ask. Does it apply to Michael Jackson? Yes. Does it apply to Billy Walters? Yes. Yes. Does it apply to, it doesn't matter. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say anything blasphemous, but you could say anyone. We got the best. Okay, that's pretty good. Fez won two Super Contests. You know who else has done that? Nobody. You know that. Doesn't quit with it, but we know that. It's a hell of an accomplishment. But check this out. Greg Shaker, last football season. Well, actually, I'm going to go with Fez first. Fez won over 28 units. That's damn good. There's four people that did better than you. 28 for you. Steven Nover, 44 units. Last year, he won in football. Plus, Goodfella, plus 51. The Hitman, plus 52. Greg, touchdown maker, shaker. 76 units up. Man with the big hat 
and lots of cattle. Seven, it's not his first rodeo. He's not all hat, no cattle. Think about this. Shaker, 76. Hitman, 52. Goodfellow, 51. Nova, 44. Fez, 28 units up. And he's in fifth place. We got AJ, won two titles for college football. He has the best three-year record. This is like, there's a reason we call it the dream preview. This is like the dream team. We prove it. Documented winners. Don't miss out. You can buy preseason stuff this weekend if you want. You're going to be firing, right? Absolutely. And you've got props up. You've got team totals up. I mean, now is the time. AJ's been hitting the college. How many? Got the season wins. Got, got a yeah. couple of preseason plays up already. Yes. This is longer than I want at the beginning of the show. Just listen. If you're, if you're not buying picks, don't buy picks. Just spread the word. Do me a favor. Spread the word about the show. That's all. Feel good about it. And if you don't like picks, don't buy them. But you hear how expert the people are. You see the winning. You know, if you're betting, if you're betting ten bucks a game, it's hard. You can't, but you know, and don't bet more just for this. But if you're betting a hundred a game, two hundred and up, there's opportunity, and you get the season package with a big discount. Get the season package. That's the best I can't one. emphasize enough. Best. That is your best chance. You sound like a tout. No, I sound like an investment manager. A tout would be like buy my Monday night game of the year. That's true, actually. So Fez touted, and somehow he comes out as the good guy. That's why he's Fezzy. There's only one of them. NFL X 25 through Monday. It's good on anything, but it's one time. One time. Go, go, go. Here comes the show. The prodigal son returns from his COVID incarceration? Incubation? That's Fez, or week one of the preseason edition. <laughs> to my right, Mr. A.J. Hoffman, the fan who beats the man. Further right, Steve Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest champion, who somehow, someway, you had a hazmat suit when you would go out. Yes. Like you looked like a welder going into, into Chernobyl to weld. Yeah, mask along with the face mask. You, you had duct tape. You would tape up your wrists so no air got in there. That's right. That was only the first month. <laughs> Somehow you were in the house with your wife who had COVID and your Johnny, precious Johnny, had COVID. Yes. You, does Johnny seem as smart? Yeah. You sure? I don't know. I, get, I isolated yeah, from him. You might want to ice his brain down. We don't want Johnny not being smart. But somehow you were in that house for like 10 days? Nine days now, yeah. And didn't get it? Did not get it tested. Maybe you overreacted Daily. before. Maybe you overreacted. To trying to avoid it. Maybe I'm immune yeah. or maybe maybe no, I I'm just caught is, it before. What I'm saying is Johnny got, you were trying so, like, you almost thought it was life and death. Yeah. it's Except it wasn't, was it? No. You feel foolish? Pretty much. <laughs> so why were you acting like I didn't know? You, I, you didn't know what I was talking. You, you know, about. it's the amazing thing is like I look at like the, the World Series of Poker, uh -huh. and if if you played down there, especially at Bally's, there's like 500 people. The the the, the are we talking now? Are we the talking density, about, uh -huh. the density of the World Series of Poker this year, ri this year rivaled uh, any. I'm trying to think of the most populous city in the world, like a Singapore Let's say or something. Yeah, it's more mm. populous than Disney World. It's just crazy. Are you old enough to get on the ride is the question. But so your point is everyone's disregarding it. Yes. Yeah. Do you know anyone that was a little skeptical of all the hubba blue? Well, you. Mm. 
when am, AJ, when am I going to be wrong? It'll happen. Yeah, I'll probably be a big one. I'll die from it or something. Yeah. You guys will be goading it over my grave. I told you. Uh-huh. And we got Scott Seidenberg from the Vegas Sports and Information Network. We were talking a little strategy before, and he came in strong. You, you listen to him. You don't think he, you know, doesn't seem all that learned about things that you learn in college. Did you go to college? We went over this. I went to a state school, remember? Oh, the one on the Sopranos. Okay, okay. Uh, that was great. Oh, you should have heard his wise move. We were talking colleges somehow the week you were out last week and AJ was crying about his knee. Or what was it? Was it your knee? It was my knee. Okay. Oh, I got a reconstructive surgery. I got a miss today. I ha literally had it on the day we recorded the pod. It's so funny, though. Mackenzie says, I bet he'll be in tomorrow. And i like, well, why do you think? You know, because it's one day after. He goes, he'll just want to brag about how tough he is and show this everyone. This is serious shit. Do you get the patella tendon or the dead guy? What, what, what's... I got a dead guy. Oh, and Transplant. And he came in dragging his foot. But on every commercial, he's like, going, oh, mm, like stretching his leg. He's tough, though. I give him credit. That physical therapy, that, that's, what, that's the most painful stuff you're ever going to go through. It's not fun. Have you done one yet? I, I, this is my third time having the same surgery. Oh, so yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm aware. So yeah. I would not do the same thing. <laughs> That's my problem, man. Yeah. It's I the mean, definition of insanity, yeah, maybe right? Maybe a little different. I bought you some free judo lessons. Oh, know. thank you. That'll work. <laughs> so, well, you know how they have, like, basketball, old guy basketball, where no one, you know. Yeah. There's got to be old guy MMA. No, there, right? There's I'm no sure safe there basketball. Don't play basketball. The Achilles. Yeah. All right. So. McKenzie was being pretty hard on AJ, but he's just, McKenzie, it's weird. The more you would think, the more credit he gets, the more acclaim. I would say this. I gave him more attention on the radio, good attention today, than he's gotten in a long time. Very positive. And he's been the worst I've seen him in two months ever since. He said 57% in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Did you, of 300-plus trials. You, you talked him up, and then you had to ask him in pre-production if he was on his period. <laughs> so it's, a, it's been a, an up-and-down day. He ordered, um, what a day. He, he ordered cranberry juice. I mean, what the <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to do something a little different here. It's, it's AJ's baby. So listen, be nice. I'm trying to get him to come up with more creative because he's got a, creative, a lot of creativity in him, but he's scared. So I said, do it. And then he came up with this one. But you didn't hear that, did you? No. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Perfect. But there's been a collaborative effort. Scott, you had some good feedback. I think AJ's idea has risen up to be pretty good. And if not, we'll cut it short. Let's start there. And what are we going to do? Explain it, AJ. Basically, we're going to look at teams and their win totals and say this is what has to ha – this is the break point for if they're going to hit this win total or not, this prop. Uh, so it could be a, a – oh, Whoa, 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 whoa. That was horrible. We, lucky we don't add it for content. Okay. Here's the way to say it. With a team, well, I don't know. Do we only have teams that are uh, high contenders? No, we, we said we could get, yeah, we said we'd we expand it. towards the contenders. Yeah. We said, let's take the teams. Let's say, what's their expectation? And what's the one factor that will most swing their expectation? And it had to be a factor you could bet in a prop. Hmm. So the person that brings it up is going to give a force pick on it. So let's start, and you can do the first one, and we'll show by example. AJ first. Showtime! Woo! What is that highest leverage impactful factor for which team? 
Uh, mine's going to be for the Indianapolis Colts, and it's the. Will Andrew Luck come back? I I bet heavy that he won't. If he does, he'll do it two weeks before the season. That'd be the time to do it. Uh, I think it's Matt Ryan. Is Matt Ryan really the answer at quarterback? And, and Ryan, how are we quantifying? We're gonna go. I'm gonna go with his his yardage prop, thirty nine hundred point five, or just thirty nine hundred, as Fezzik would like to say, just thirty nine hundred yards. Mm-hmm. And Ryan is like to say thirty nine hundred one if he's going under. Well, I'll I'll go with that. Thirty nine hundred and one yards is the over under. I think he goes uh, over this prop though. I think he he does have a big year. Well, hold on, I want to hear this. Okay, Baz, here's the catch twenty two. We always like guys to have more yards that we think are going to be behind. Exactly. Don't exactly. Don't control the game with running the ball and such. If they're ahead, running clock. And I get the whole they don't run it as much, but they do short passes or effectively runs. Teams do mm-hmm. to try to control the clock, the four-minute drive or whatever. Um, what's a, Do we feel like – like, what do you believe – if we know Matt Ryan goes over, is it better than – what's the over for the Colts? Is it 55%? Let me think about that. I'm, I'm not even sure it's correlated. Yeah. Because, so I, because think about this. Let's assume Tennessee's not very good. That could happen, all right? Yeah. Well, the Colts. Well, variable. Yeah. Now you got a double whammy. Now you got a Ryan. The, the Colts could easily be sitting there at nine and six, clinch the division. Now nope. remember, they lost last year, the last week to Jacksonville. I don't think they're leaving anything to chance. Right. But if they if they're nine and six and they've already clinched the division, and they got no chance to get you know to get a bye. All of a sudden, you might see Ryan. You know, he's not going to play week yes. seventeen. Exactly, and, and there's and, those issues. There's if they're behind a and lot, they're, they're going great to at ground and pound when they have the lead in the fourth quarter. One of these, and you've you've been the pioneer of this. There's teams, really well coached teams, when they get up ten against a garbage team like Houston. All right, the, how do we lose? The only way we lose is to turn the ball over. So just hand the ball off to Hines Taylor. Obviously, much more Jonathan Taylor. We got a good running game, so now Ryan doesn't get any yards, and we win the game. We get the W. So, what, but what did I? What was I at the forefront of? The forefront of, uh, of of that good coaches, mm-hmm. which certainly Indy has one, don't um, they don't take risks with the lead and they don't throw the ball as much in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but I don't think I I, I don't think I was ever in that. I think that's something from the sixties, right? <laughs> I mean, in general, that you run out the clock, right? I think sure, yeah. sure, but but like the, like there's some. I just don't want to take credit for something. Some of the new the, like, like like some of the new coaches like, hey, passing's better than oh, running, okay. and we should pass all the time. Well, you know what? Even though it's better expectation per yard, well, so it obviously isn't better. The Atlanta, the Atlanta Super Bowl is a yeah, good example. it's a great example <clears throat> where where at some point it's like just just hey, we're gonna win the game if we don't screw this up. Oh, okay. What I've been saying is that the new breed of coaches are keeping the pedal to the metal in the fourth, and thus some of these favorites that typically wouldn't get there are getting there. And yeah. dog, you got to handicap differently if they're playing offensively hard all the way through the end of the game, even if they're up by 11 or whatever. Yes. I think that's something that kind of— But I don't see the Colts as falling into that bucket at yeah. all, especially after they just had a quarterback that basically cost them games with too many turnovers. I could see them being more conservative with these big leads, especially in a crumb-bum crumb division where they're clearly the class. But also how our team is going to— defend them. I mean, don't teams stack the box and and not want to get beat by Jonathan Taylor? And doesn't that open it up for Matt Ryan? Remember, the Bills started this not last year, but the year before, which is, we want you to run. And now with the too high, it's like, you know, and supposedly the only team that's not going to do any of that 
oh, who's got – it is the Colts. The Colts got the guy who was with the Raiders, am I remembering right? But he plays still – I think it's still an old Seattle cover three, but supposedly they're not going to do any of this. The 31 other teams – are going to be having some snaps with too high that they didn't have, like sets they didn't have last year just mm. because of the success of the teams that's gone in with, you know, that's something that um, the Denver, the former Denver coach, innovated, true innovator, and, and Staley worked for him. Uh, what am I Big Fangio. Fangio. Staley worked for him, obviously went to the Rams, was great, and now he's moved over. Ha- didn't do so well in defense with the Chargers. But then the guy, Raheem, which is Morris, Morris. Mm-hmm. comes in and he runs it well. I mean, it's it, and then we see that they say they try, traded Tyreek Hill because, and I don't get this. What's the point of having Tyreek if they're going too high? Well, it's because he's forcing you to go too high. If you don't have deep threats, you think they're going to give you the run? But we'll see. AJ, do you agree? And I think this is undebatable. There isn't a great correlation with the over-under yards in this case. Is there another way to get at it? Mackenzie, what's the typical prop that's available for a quarterback? Interceptions? Touchdowns? Yes, and passing yards. Those those are the three that every quarterback will have. I would love a QBR prop. Can I explain my yardage prop? Yeah. Okay, so Frank Reich said that he wants to take workload off of Jonathan Taylor this year. Jonathan Taylor won the rushing title by 550 yards. Frank Reich said that was foolish. And they need to preserve him more. But that, for, does that for mean they're going to pass, or does that mean they're going to run someone else? Here's what I know: Matt Ryan has has gone over 3,900 yards for 11 straight seasons, and that's been with some really bad teams in Atlanta. That's been with 16 game schedules. All right, so how many how many yards did the Wentz? He started what every game, right? Did anyone else start? For- no, Carson started every game. Last All right, year. so how many pass attempts did he have? I'm pulling that up, and now. let's compare that to um, Matt Ryan because. If, if he's getting the same reps, I think he's going to be better. I think that – do you agree with this, Feds? The stats will be better for Matt Ryan this year compared to last year. Oh, yes. Because the trade-off of upgraded team is bigger than the age. The one-year additional upgraded team, I think upgraded team And, wins. of course, we're talking efficiency stats are better. I don't know about yes. volume stats. 516 attempts for Carson Wentz last year. Okay, and how many did Ryan have? 560. Okay, so I think you got to reduce by that. Mm-hmm. Right, because I don't see any re- now. Again, you might say, "Oh, they're going to throw more." Maybe I don't think they want Matt Ryan taking hits. I think AJ brought up a good point about Jonathan Taylor not getting as much yeah. usage. But like I said, you you've got Hines, you got Lindsey, you got a, a stacked backfield and a, and a team that always you know emphasizes the run. Jonathan Taylor rushing yards fourteen fifty. That's a big number. Seems high. Big number. Seventeen games. How many running backs are going to go over fourteen fifty? Maybe I'd put an over under three. You go over or under. I don't have a great feel of the 17 games. I mean, those feels about backs, right, right. By that, comparison, like, Derrick Henry's 1350. How many? How many? How many backs last year have, went over 1500? I would much rather have Taylor with Just an extra him. 100 yards because Henry's got recurring injury risk, and Henry could be hitting the wall big time. Did not look the same. When he came back last yeah, year, one I know game, small came sample, back fast. Very small. It was a playoff game. They ran him like six times last game. year. It was only he had eighteen hundred and eleven yards. He was the only one to go over fourteen. The next highest was Nick Chubb, twelve fifty nine. So th- wait, Nick Chubb was number two in the league, twelve fifty nine. So think about this: the number two guy, like like imagine a golf tournament, and you said Chubb only played fourteen and you said, games though. You said a guy's going to finish second in a golf tournament. Like even right. when he was Tiger Woods, is that is that exceeding expectations? Well, yeah. Well, Tiger and, was even money against the field. That's at some a good point. point. That's a good point. He's probably a bad example, but in, mo- in most yeah. cases, someone finishing second—that's a kick-ass, tremendous season. 
and second only got you twelve fifty nine last year. I, I when you hear that, oh my God, we, we got to bet Derrick Henry under thirteen fifty. Well, plus if Tennessee's not going to win as many games, they're not running the clock out. They're throwing late, right? If they're behind, which helps the under, mm-hmm. right? So AJ, if if there were a prop on, do you like yardage to be indicative or QBR if you had a choice? <sighs> I mean, so it's, to me, it's an obvious QBR. Why isn't it for you? Okay, because Matt Ryan has not finished inside the top ten in QBR since 2018. Right, He's so, been an average of 17 since then. Okay, so here's the, the distinction. We're talking about two things because we blended them, and I agree with you. But tell me if you agree with me on this blend. We tried to find the props that would correlate to a team winning. You're trying to find a winning prop. Maybe that's what I okay yeah, yeah, yeah I see what you're saying and I see your point if we were looking that you like that bet so are you going to make that official yeah that's bet? my official bet all right Matt well, Ryan over thirty nine hundred and a half yards a half huh yeah last year had last year had thirty nine sixty eight oh wait 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 Fez is coming cool. over the top the Rattler you know I hate to just be called the Undertaker here. But uh-huh. Mackenzie's done some great, you know, research. Well, Mackenzie didn't do the work, but a lot of these props. I mean, right, Mackenzie? Yeah, I found a recent yeah, study yeah. that so was done. A lot done. of props on playmakers have gone under last year's. Was it last two years or last year? Just last year. Because it's 17 games. But go ahead. Yeah. So if you had blindly bet over 200 playmakers, skill position players to go over, you only cash 33% of the time. And a big part of this, it makes sense, is maybe one out of five of these players get derailed by injury and they just don't play enough games. That's to built into this, the, the bat. And Matt Ryan's, missed, to be Matt Ryan's missed three games in his life. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's well. Listen, he bet you, so he has every, now he has every right. You got you should be ecstatic right now. I am. I am. When people bet me, I don't try to convince them they're wrong. I, I try to convince them to bet more. I thought that the I thought that that the stat you were talking about the playmaker stats was what like wide receivers and running backs. I thought are all quarterback stats quarterback props going under as well. Yeah, it's three six categories they looked at: quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, yardage, and touchdowns for each. All right. And and who did the study? Connor Allen by. And he's with a four by four. Okay. All right. So personally, I, I could go over on some quarterback. I can't, I, it's hard for me to go over on any playmaker, especially I, a running back. But right? if I'm not mistaken, McKenzie, I think the quarterbacks were like 58% and, and the, and the playmakers were like even higher than like 70. Mm, that makes I'll sense. Have that one second. Yeah. That's why, because the thing is, I do believe here's the hidden part of this. And this is something that, um, I always forget the name. PFF, uh, the main NFL one, not the guy from Ireland, but the guy who's tall, Steve <laughs> Palazzuto or something is his name. And um, he made the point, he goes, when you have 17 games, what you're going to get is the, the, trend, the uh, props are going to add 17 divided by 16, you know, that coefficient. But he thinks people sit out later in the year and more they could play if they took the needle situations because, hey, missing one game is no big deal. And thus, the, most players are playing effectively 16 games, but it's getting the props getting put out there as 17. Mm. Do you think the NBA will have any impact on the NFL with the load management that has become prevalent in the NBA? I think the way that football is to the point they are taking shots. Re- Here's what we can't forget. There's only a handful of guys that have a choice. In the NFL, if they don't think you're um, available – they, unless you're elite, if you're elite, they'll still do something. Otherwise, you're gone, man. It's a lot of replaceable parts is how they look with, like, guys. I mean, you were there for the Texans for years, AJ, covering them directly. 
I mean, guys that you w were going to great lengths to play, right? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, like crazy lengths. Why? Because they thought if they got a reputation for missing games, it would kill them. Yeah. So now we're talking about big names, so maybe it's not as important. But look at You want to talk about backlash? Look at Kyrie. I mean, I know it's a lot of more complicated. We won't get into it. But Kyrie had no trade market hmm. except McKenzie. How, where's, if Kyrie's playing, how, where's he at in your rankings? Top 15. Let me pull up the exact number. Okay. So I think that's probably right. Worst case, top 20. He's in the top four teams. If they had four NBA, they only have three all NBA. And no one wants him? Like the 16th, 17th best player? Like no one. Lakers won't give up one first. They can get rid of Westbrook and only have to give up one first round pick in like 2027. I was going to say they'd give up Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, but, but literally a top 20 player mm. for Westbrook that some people believe is a net negative yeah. on the court now, and it takes one first round pick in five years. Mm. Kyrie's market is, 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 is dry. And it's because he's a, you know, people say whack job or the front office thinks he's unreliable. Mm -hmm. If you're unreliable, man, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar or not. Party's over. Look at AB. Best ability is available. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Did you have that, McKen or, uh, McKenzie, the, uh, the wins on the quarterback versus others? Yeah, so passing yardage actually was 74% to the under, according to this study from last year. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so passing yard. So what was – so receiving touchdowns was the thing that was 55%. So if you take that out, the average percentage is going to be what? Take that out and give it to me. Wow. One second. So the highest is rushing touchdowns. I think that's just because that's more random, and only the good, good players are going to get that number up, right? Yeah, and all that it takes is for there to be it's a— be close to 6 70%, right? 69%. A, yeah. a, a coach makes a coach. All it takes is a coach makes a decision. You know what? In the red zone, we're going to go ahead and give another back like the ball. Like Fritz Perry, maybe. Well, he wasn't running. Well, he was. <laughs> but yes, Walter Payton. No to Walter, Walter Payton. Payton yes to no, no rush touchdown in the Super Bowl. You know, Head to the window. That what was wow. the first prop that really was anything. Opened like 20 to 1 and then all the way down to 4 to 1. I think it was 35 to 1. People just kept betting it against Jimmy Vaccaro. Yeah. He wasn't the only one that had it. Right, but he but was, he was the, the publicized. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he had it first. Yeah, now I think about it. Mirage. There wasn't, there was like... Well, remember, it was that same era that he – that was 85, right? Yeah. And then the Tyson fight was 91. Ah, Buster Douglas. Yeah, was he was 40 to 1 and, and – 42, I think. And people laid it, right, if I recall correctly. I think he said some did. Yeah. But, but he was the only person in all um, Nevada that had a line. Or uh, If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't know what the odds were. There were, would be no odds I, on that right, upset. I think part of that, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like four in the morning was the fight because it was in Tokyo, so it was just some complete off time. Yeah. So there's no But still real... people were betting ahead of time. I remember hearing about – see, I don't think it was four in the morning – because I was driving to the dog track and I heard about it on the radio. <laughs> okay. And it was like I was going and I didn't make always oh, first post. So it was probably like 815. Mm. Right. I, I tell you this quick is we all remember. Do you remember score phones? I remember. Tell me was. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And also uh, was it sports phone was. Uh, yeah. Whatever. It was, but, you know, you call the 800 number. Pre Internet. Yeah. You call mm -hmm. a local number in 800. And you had to hear about sell your house, sell your car, sell your kids, and bet this game. This is Johnny DeMarco. I have the luck exactly. of the century. And he'd go on for three minutes and says, and now in ACC action. Yeah, there yes. <laughs> And the, so the 2858, you'd always go at the commercial on ESPN. You know, this is old school stuff. 
well, my best buddy George was with Kansas State in 93, and they played Nebraska in Japan. And, you know, I had good info on in those games and uh, that he was involved in, and not directly from him, you know. But um, <laughs> I was on the score phone. It was four, in that case, it was later. So East Coast, I was in Columbus. And it was like 4.35 in the morning. I was getting the half. But they only put up like one in the first half, the mm. halftime score, and the final. They had three mother effing updates. And think about what other way was there? Mm-hmm. We, you would be at the old Stardust, and there'd be no TV coverage. You'd see the ticker. The ticker was would fast. just you scroll. You moved to town when? I moved to 2001. All right. Yeah. The internet started in 95. So what, what, but, but I was spending throughout the 90s, so it was just coming up during the 90s, and I remember like the Hawaii-BYU game, the late game, we'd just be watching the ticker at like 1 in the morning. Well, remember, Alan Boston talks about, he says to this day, he feels like he can get a feel for the game from the ticker in a way that he can't from like all the information. Yeah, so like, <laughs> oh, this, you know, UMass was up 12 the whole game, yeah. and then they only won by 7, but that was, a, that was a solid performance, even though they didn't cover. It makes a lot of sense. As opposed to having, like, say, the, a computer printout and a heat map. And <laughs> All right, that's better. But I'm going to give some advice to the children out there, all right? Because let's be honest, you can make mistakes. You can go to radio college, for example, right? Big mistake. And, and not even want to be – you went <laughs> You went to be a music engineer mm-hmm. and you graduated. Yeah. But you have trouble with our, our radio board. Well, I haven't looked at any of this stuff, and I graduated in what 2003. So or you're four. saying you're saying 20 years after you graduate, you learned on technology that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, the core concepts are there. Sure, but like a mix minus. Yeah. Okay, kids, if you're smart, but you reject technology, I'm not talking about your freaking Snapchat or whatever your your TikTok. Snap faces, Belichick calls it. <laughs> I'm talking about. Well, you, Colin today was saying he thinks that Belichick might be throwing, that, trying to have the Patriots lose because he's mad at Kraft. <laughs> I mean, it's like Belichick wants to win so bad. Because, Remember that clip where they're when they're five and zero to start the year. <laughs> and, well, you know they, they they have a bunch of. I was looking at the first. Our new grid is going to be coming out soon. By the way, guys, I'm dead tired. I've been working on this grid like I'm probably going to make it about an hour. And then, so you guys be ready to, you know, so just at some point you'll hear me quit talking and Fez and it'll be like half Fezic focus. Okay. That'll be perfect. And what, what do you got like about? I, I haven't done a Fezic focus, so I'm interested. Uh, well, it's sit and listen to Fezic talk a lot about advanced concepts that are very savvy. Um, oh, well, I'll talk about that later. That Jimmy the Greek stuff. All right. So let's double back. Learn, Fez, you felt, you felt, Fallen prey to this? You fell prey to this. You are a brilliant person. I mean, it's just true. You have mathematical inclinations. You're an actuary, which other than a PhD in math is probably like the second best. Like if you say that guy knows math, other than a PhD, you'd rather have an actuary, right? Probably? Yes. yes. Or Yeah, because you, if you're a professor, maybe a high school math teacher at a be- good school would just generally know more math. No. No? He, he oh. wouldn't. He, he wouldn't. I, I, <laughs> Someone who had a master's in math would not know as much. Someone who had a PhD would know more than okay. a typical actuary. Okay, so where I slotted you. Maybe like yes. a janitor that solves equations on a chalkboard. Yeah, yeah, we saw the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> you know, it kind of throws a little <laughs> monkey wrench. Here's the thing. You're right. But now we hear this. So we're back to that not playing. Hmm. Corrupt file or something? I don't know. But it was the janitor. Now he takes a janitor or takes the bus to work as a janitor. Wow. Remember on the, <laughs> uh, did, did you give me the Gladwell Outliers book? No. You know I read it. it, though, yeah. Yeah, so Johnny's reading it. Good he, book. he loves it. It's good. Yeah, he talks <clears> about, like, geniuses, how, like, it's oftentimes it's just luck. Ten, it's 10,000 hours. It's like 50-50, whether they pan out or not, you know, it's like... But is that the one with the, um, where he gives the example of the Canadian youth hockey team and how the, uh, the age the, difference yeah. is... I, yeah, I think that's Outliers. Is that Outliers? Or, or is that, that may be the one? tipping point. I, I haven't, I haven't I Johnny's reading it, not me, so I yeah. just heard about it. Yeah. yeah, it's an idea, basically, that also Malcolm Gladwell goes into the idea that if you are dominating as a youth in your sport, you don't want to play up a level. You know how the traditional mindset is, oh, I'm a 12, your 12 year old kid is dominating. You know, Johnny they play skipped with the 14 year old. You know, Johnny skipped a grade in school. Well, the idea is don't do that. Because so you, tell you, screwed up you want them two to, grades? You want them like to be that. conditioned. I don't like it either, but it's like, well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. You want them to be conditioned to always be the best and knowing that they dominate. And so they don't settle for anything less than has being he, the best. Has he skipped the second one or he's planning to? He skipped it. Okay. He's going into eighth grade. He's but but what work. I'm saying is he hasn't really skipped it. Is it this year he yeah, skipped it? Yeah. So in truth, he could decide to go back if he wanted. Oh, he always could. Yeah. yeah. And, I guess and before he goes to college, we're probably going to give him, have him do an off year because I don't want to go into school like at 16. Doogie Fezzik. Well, but here's the – Doogie was finished with, yeah. with medical yeah. school yeah. at like 13. <laughs> but okay. Is But here's the thing. I think in a city as big as Vegas, and just, you know, when we were, in a city as big as Vegas, there's going to be a lot of extracurricular academic things that can challenge him, but it lets him keep socially. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, is if he went and took, uh, let's say, a class at uh, a college or something, I'm not saying, you, what I'm saying is anything's available to you, it just won't be at school. Exactly. When we're pursuing that with like Johns Hopkins and special programs, et cetera. That he can do. Yes. So now it's McKenzie has plummeted from first place on the, you know, hey, I'm not, trying not to brag, but I'm bragging. Now Fez has overtaken him. <laughs> I would love to see a Johnny McKenzie chess match. I can't even handicap it. It would be. You good. think it would be close? Oh, it would be close. So Johnny's like, how good is he at chess right now? It's like a 1200. It's going to be close. Okay. What's the time limit? If it's under three minutes, I would bet. How me. much is he playing? He's been playing. He, he's during. He's got a summer chess program, yeah. so he's been playing twice a week for two hours. Okay. And has he seen Searching for Bobby Fisher? No. That's. But I have to show it to him because it, it is fantastic. You might not want to because it will make him want to play chess more. And I don't remember, know about you, that. You gave no that movie. You don't think like a movie that makes chess exciting. Bring her out. Yeah. Bring you, that queen out. That's not going to affect someone's chess. I was taking out the board. Do it, Josh. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> and, and what I'm thinking is. Queen H5. When I keep talking over you to sign, there's enough of you <laughs> doing a movie. <laughs> I mean, you've seen like 11 movies. And it's, it's a strange. And here's the weird part. He saw one movie and he couldn't quit talking about it, about this blonde girl who's like a little bit of a S-L-U-T who is um, walking up and down Compton in like a torn dress. And all the locals, you following? Mm-hmm are just, like, salivating. Cat calls and whatnot. Who knows? And he's, he knew every scene of this movie. <laughs> Explain to us how you encountered it. What was the name of it? 
I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember then the title. Walk of Shame. Walk of Shame. I think believe she's See, a look at look at her. Look at her. She's a newscaster. Look at her. Look at her. Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, she's Yeah, that's you hear, do you hear that? Now listen, when he just said, yeah, it sounded a lot like this. I mean, it really, people are going to laugh so hard right now. It sounded like this. I love Jimmy G. He goes, yeah. You hear that? that his <laughs> that voice? Movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. There it is. Banks. Now, wh what was it? What was it? You loved it. Why? No comment? No comment. <laughs> so that's one of his 11. Okay. Fast Times at Richmond, huh? Absolutely. Wall Street. Wall, uh, Wall Street? How much is enough? When does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? And Fast says more. Okay. And what else? Rocky. Rocky, one, two, three, four, five, and six? Well, more Rocky, one, and three. Hmm. Now, why would a you lot watch? A people love four. I love four. Everyone loves four. But you like the Cold War. So you watch Rocky One and you're like, no, nah, not Rocky Two. I'm gonna go to three. Yeah. Rocky That's weird. Rocky two, you just watch the Rocky fight. Rocky two really only though fight. is slow. Okay, Very so you're slow. saying you've seen it. I was wondering if you yeah, would watch it. I thought you only watched Rocky one and three and not two. That uh, so no, okay. I've... He saw it in passing. Okay. Yeah. Got bored. Too much Although the commercial man. scene in Rocky Two is by far the best scene in any of the Where's the oh, case, that's man. pain yeah. when he can't. Now <laughs> I tell you this. Just read the dummy cards. The most underrated scene in all of Rocky. We'll do it at the end of the pod, but I won't be here, so I'll do mine now. <laughs> AJ, remember this, all right? Okay. I mean, for this the, isn't going to get time shifted anyway. No, it hasn't been that much. I'll make this tight, and we'll move on. Okay. Okay. And maybe we'll time shift, <laughs> so I can be expansive. No, it's when he's leaving for Russia. He was out driving with the montage. No in his easy head. way out. Yep. Yeah. Robert Tepper. Then he comes in and, and Adrian's at the top of the steps, looking like she's worn this robe for about uh, three months straight. It's like brown on the end. Like, there's no kid coming with her, with her in this robe. That mm -hmm. one kid's gonna be by himself. All right. <laughs> now Rocky's down and he's dressed up like not in a suit so much, but like a real tight fit because he was really conscious of his. Stallone of his brand, right? Because mm -hmm. remember in five, he had that goofy turtleneck to cover his double chin mm. the whole movie. But he didn't have a double chin in the six that was like 15 years later. <laughs> I don't get it, but okay. And then they have a conversation like this. He's, now this is Adrian. He's gone. He's, in fact, we should just play this because it's only like 45 seconds and I can't do it justice. Okay, I'm having a little trouble with my playback device. So, Scott, Rocky Four, just one scene, and you, apparently Mackenzie said you have the better Rocky. Sure, we'll try that. And I'm stuck with Adrian. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, <clears throat> let, um, and then at the end, I'm going to say scene. Continue. <laughs> or begin, please. <laughs> to get, to right. get in the mindset. My motivation yeah, is yeah, yeah. I, I'm I had menopause. I'm punchy. I'm punchy. I, I had menopause, <laughs> menopause many years ago. Uh, How that baby was ever born. Yeah. yeah. Um, and aged significantly over a two year span. <laughs> trying to get the hell out of that yeah. house. All right. Let's do it. Uh, Scene or oh, uh, action. I just have to do what I have to do. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Oh no, she says you don't have to do anything. Yeah, okay. the script is very off. Can I have can I have my lines, please? It, I, it's not written clearly. Okay. I just have to do what I. Have now, to I do. might I might adjust the lines and improve them a little. 
<laughs> you don't have to do anything. No, Adrian, I do. I have to leave this place, too. So where are you going? They said they'd let me train in Russia. I just want to go someplace where I won't think of nothing except him. Give it time. Don't do this. You I sound like Marge Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> oh, it's still me? All right. Let me get my throat. <clears throat> um, I lost my <laughs> Where? Give it time. All right. Uh, so where are you going? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, here it is. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to change it now. A lot of people. Oh, wait. <clears throat> A lot of people. Yeah, she's soft-spoken, right? And she's like whispery. She's like, a lot of people live with hurt. Adrian, a lot of people don't have the choice. I do. And for that, you're willing to lose everything? This ain't everything. This house, this stuff we have, it ain't everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was good. That was real good. But somehow you went right in the mic, just like Fez, when you straight. (laughs) That was good. You were waiting for that, weren't you? (laughs) There's a lot more than this. Before, there were reasons to fight. I could understand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, wait, that's that's me. He's so excited. But before, there were reasons to fight. I was at the pet store. I had those glasses. I could understand. But this, I don't understand. Why can't you change your thinking? Oh, no, no, she says that. Here we go, here we go. Um, Even if you win... What have you won? Apollo's still gone. Why can't you change your thinking? Everybody else does. Because I'm a fighter. That's the way I'm made. That's what you married. We can't change who we are. You got to get off that mic. It's great, though. <laughs> Just go back, like, when you go loud, like, to foot now. Fez, you're, you're mad at how good this rock is, aren't you? I, I am... <laughs> I'm never going to do a you Rocky impression ever again. And you couldn't do Paul or Adrian near as good as me. I'm not even going to attempt Maybe he can do Paulie. No, I'm not going to do anybody. <laughs> All, right. All, right. All right. Where are we? What's my next line? Uh, we, uh, this ain't you, everything. Before, you uh, can't. We, uh, even if you can win, what have you won? Why can't you change your thinking? Because I'm a fighter. That's who you married. Okay. We can't. Uh, okay. Then you say we can't change what we are. Yeah. Okay. We can't change what we are. Yes, you can. You can't change anything. All you can do... Uh, no, that's you. All we can do is just go with what we are. You can't go with what you are. Have you read the papers? Everybody says it's suicide. You've seen him. You know how strong he is. You saw the bulge in his pants. Oh, you can't... All right, here we go. Now, this is my this line. This is the line. Oh, man. How many takes do I get on this? Just one. One Deliver this thing. Yeah, man. I mean, he killed his first one. You gotta you gotta this is gotta this is your moment. You can't win. Adrian always tells the truth. <laughs> he does the dead. This is Brando style here. Maybe I can't win. Maybe the only thing I can do is just take everything he's got. Now th- no, stop. This is where. It's brilliant. The rest of this is fun. This could be a book. Go back just about a sentence. Maybe the only thing I can do is just take everything he's got. But to beat me, he'll have to kill me. And to kill me, he'll have to have the heart to stand in front of me. And to do that, he's got to be willing to die himself. Now think of that logic. Just we're off, we're, you know, offset for a second. <laughs> He's saying, 
life sometimes throws you challenges you can't win. You don't even know what winning is. You just know you got to keep going forward. You got to keep moving in the direction that feels right. And you know what? Maybe he doesn't know how to win or what winning is, but he knows what losing is. And he knows to lose, someone has to beat him. And then he said, to beat me, you got to be willing to die. Is he willing to die? Mm. That's the question he's asking, but very convolutedly. One more, go through that one more, because think about what he's saying, but he makes like three hops that weren't necessary. But to beat me, he'll have to kill me. Now, I like that simple. I'm willing to die, and he has to kill me for me to quit. And to kill me, he'll have to have the heart to stand in front of me. Okay, which means he has to fight him, I guess, right? He's, he's like going to be there. Okay, so well, he's he, saying he's got to take the same chance that I'm taking. And to do that, he has to be willing to die himself. To, so it's for me to lose, I'm going to have to die. And for him to kill me, he, he never that. said kill me, which would have meant for him to kill me, he's got to be willing to die himself. That, you know, that's Bazooka Joe type level thinking, but the way he said it makes it brilliant. Because he says it so roundabout. Because the stand in front of me. It, it was a, a similar, I don't remember who the quote was, but there was a similar quote around the. Probably Yogi Bear. The American Revolution time. Oh, oh. Like why American soldiers had an advantage over British soldiers. Because American soldiers were, they were fighting because they were willing to die. They, they didn't care if they died, mm. because if they weren't free. What was the point of even being there? Well, were, no, I think it was they were paying too many taxes. That too. But like what, what were the British soldiers willing to do the same thing? Were they willing to stand in front of them and die? And that was a lot of yeah, people thought we, that we heart drone, was a we difference. We drone people left and right. It, this is a very old school thinking. Wasn't yeah. this in Godfather Two in Cuba? Yes, he goes. I noticed something. Michael says, "I noticed something." He took out a captain and the you know, and it's like, Michael, we'll talk about this later. Have your cake. That was Hyman Rod. All right, that was. Well, is there anything? That's it. That's huh? it. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and let's not forget, as good as that Rocky was, it isn't Stallone. And the way he says it makes it sound so wrong. It's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. <laughs> At the end of the pod, we'll throw it in. You know, just sleepy will do it. All right. We got one prop in. Fez, what's yours? I want to talk about your prop. I want to talk about Matthew Stafford. Oh, I don't know. I got so many good picks. You want? I right, go ahead. You can have one. So you get this one out in straight out of I'm, Vegas. By the way, I'm going to talk like Adrian the entire rest of the show, <laughs> like Marge. So the Mommy. question does that mean I'm stuck like this? <laughs> that would be great. Obviously, with the Rams, the question Stafford, you know, getting the injection on the shoulder, his health. Where right, is so, he at? So the the concern, right? The, the theory is this is a matter of pain management. That, it, it, that it's not affecting supposedly his ability to play. It's, it's, it hurts. Yes. But okay. McVeigh has said it's unusual. It's more like a starting pitcher Pitch. dealing with an elbow. And didn't yeah. Dak have something where they brought in the Texas Rangers last year, right? Or Red yes. Ranger? All right, so. Yes. Yeah, so what's interesting to me is there's been, been some movement with no movement on Stafford. His prop is 4,500 pass yards. And a half. And a half. But the Rams, week one against Buffalo, they're home. They're catching two and a half points now. Some money's been coming in against the Rams. Now, is that pro- I got a theory on that. Mm. I think it's the chance of him being hurt or missing the game 
but I think it's bigger. He's going to be rusty regardless, and you've mm. got to discount for <clears throat> rust. That's a good, good, good point. Although he was not supposed to, you're talking about rust from lack of practice. Yeah, not rust from lack of preseason play. Not, yeah, but that. he's not even doing full. He's doing right. seven on That's seven. A good point. And they've already eliminated him for the whole preseason. Right. Any practice, you know, I guess they could, re, you know, renege on the, you know, commitment. By the way, McVeigh said Woodford, the backup quarterback, he's not playing in preseason either. He's still hurt from that playoff game three years ago. He <laughs> yeah. tried to die for that pylon. <laughs> Yes. So, you know, what's interesting, too, is that the Rams season win number, it was right around 10 and a half. It's been leaking downwards. So now it's like 10.15. So we're seeing. How much of that is square action where they think Stafford's hurt? You know. Well, is it square? It's action. I don't know if it's square. You know, here's what I know. And this is not any negative at all because, you know, I love Matt or, or, uh, you know, Matty Colbert. Or I'm sorry, Matty Holt is. but I still remember the Super Bowl against Tampa where Mahomes had the hurt foot from the championship game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that's going to hurt his rushing yards or whatever. And, you know, a lot of people are like, they hear so many crying wolves on injuries. They just dismiss a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, he ended up having surgery on that foot in the offseason. They said it was hurting him like half the year. The next. I think <clears> in general we think that these players are tough. But I've seen fantasy studies where they say – if you take a player the first time he goes on an injury list, they've got enough of a database. They can say, how does that affect, even if he plays the game, how does it affect output? Mm. And literally there's a trend that says if a quarterback hits the injury list at any point, they suffer the rest of the season significantly. That, that it's like something like 12% reduction. And even the games they play, not saying the missed games, the games they play. I think there's something to that. These guys are hurt. They don't cry about it. But we don't account for it. Enough, and I think, I think the beauty of this. Remember Aaron Donald? Uh, Donald in the game they lost. What was that game they lost the year before? And he was hurt. Oh, right. Was it to the Packers in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. he was limited. He, he hardly was. He, he didn't look like he did in the Super Bowl. He, yeah, he no was doubt. out there, but he was like replacement level, the, the way he played. But I think what you nailed here is we talk about the concept of free roll. It's not like 4,500 is a low number. You look at Matthew so, Stafford. So AJ has a good history. Give it, right. give us, uh, uh, okay. No, yeah, go ahead. You know, the last seven years before this last season, they went seven years where he didn't hit 4,500 yards. So think about it. He's playing for Detroit. Mm-hmm. All he's doing is slinging the ball all mm-hmm. over the place. Look They're behind. In, in those years versus last year. And then when you look at last year, so this is the first time he the first time he goes over forty five hundred gets to like forty eight fifty approximately last year. He plays all seventeen games also. So, if you ask me over under, how many games is Matthew Stafford going to play this year? I'd fifteen. Him missing sixty minutes of game time would be a a pretty optimistic over under. I would make a very big bet under six. Uh, you yep. know that he plays under sixteen and a half, and that's basically he's going to have to play all seventeen to get there. Well, think about this, and I said this on SOV. That smells that, good, Archie. It does. I said this on SOV that the motivation factor has to come into play here as a part of this handicap. The regular season motivation. Regular season motivation. Last year, playing in the first year of this trade with a Super Bowl ready roster, you play through the pain. This year, after accomplishing that goal and winning the Super Bowl, punching knowing, your Hall of Fame, knowing ticket. You, yes, knowing that you have a team that is going to be in the playoffs, 
you can afford to miss some regular season time to get this figured out. You don't have to play through the pain, you know, and people are going to point to Ben Roethlisberger had dealt with the elbow issue. He played through the pain, eventually injured it worse, and had to miss the season. It's just like Rocky Three. He's going to get civilized. Civilized. I just think that if I'm handicapping this, I don't think there's any way Matthew Stafford plays every game this year. So I love your bet, RJ. I think I do think it's a proxy somewhat for the Rams futures. You know, that that if he does go under, the Rams are less likely to get to that 10 half wins. Doesn't really affect the Super Bowl as much as seeding and all that. But exactly okay. right. So and I love the fact that the Rams, like I said, they were 10 and a half. Now they're 10.1 at the sharp books. Uh, Stafford under 45, great bet by you. I I don't disagree with the logic on, you know, Matt. I think Matt, saying Matt Stafford would like choose to sit out because of pain tolerance, I think that's fundamentally flawed. No, I think that he'll choose to get it surgically repaired. Well, here, he, that like, if, it, if, 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 the, if the option is there to get it, to get a procedure done, that he's more willing to do it now than opposed to doing it last season. Here's what I would say. There's a point where you go from playing to not playing. Mm-hmm. It's a spectrum. You, I mean, you've had a, a professional MMA fight. You fought amateur, which was intense. It was real. Did you ever miss a fight because of injury? No. Okay, but you've, you've been around enough athletes. It's a spectrum. And, sure. And what you have to prove, the stakes, they're not going to make you, like, fake an injury. But they're going to be that it, there is a line that I you don't think there's anywhere on that spectrum that he would have played last year. But th- I think it's not because he doesn't care. I think he's smart enough to know, hey, we've proven ourselves. Now it's about if they go 15 and one and lose in the playoffs, it's not a successful season or I guess 15 and two whatever, 16 and one. And if they just squeak in at nine and eight somehow and win the Super Bowl, it's a successful season. So knowing it's all about the playoffs, it's easier to think that way once you've done it. If you haven't done it, all you've got is the regular seasons, right? Yeah. So I do think I could see him making a business decision, not for his longevity of his career, but to be better ready for the playoffs. Okay, that would make some sense. So in 2019... But maybe last year, he wouldn't have done that because he was still trying to prove himself every game. In 2019 is the year that that he broke his back in the middle of the season. So he got back surgery and then came back. Well, you and love t- Stafford because you say broke his back. I Broken mean, tailbone. Uh, did you ever see Patton Part 2, The Last Days of Patton? No. I watched that a couple nights ago on YouTube, the five minutes of it. You know Patton, right? Mm-hmm. The, he, he, he went against Hitler, heads up, and won. Stared <laughs> him down. You know how he died? No. There was a car wreck with him on the base in Germany, like right after the war, and it was at 15 miles an hour, someone hit his car. And the way he fell, he, he, he snapped his spinal cord and was paralyzed from the neck down and only lasted like 20 days, died like in an iron lung. They had to like put the stuff in his skull and it had oh. to, I mean, imagine beating Hitler, Patton, and then George C. Scott won an Academy Award for it. And the first Patton, it was 15 years later when they made Patton too, but it was supposed to be like six months later. George C. Scott weighed about 420 pounds, and he, he looked, you know how you get over, it's not only you're losing your hair, but it looks like your hair's, like, I mean, you know, that old, old look. Super thin. Super thin and wispy, and it's like there's, like, moles have moles on top of your head, yep. these people's head, and he looked like that playing Patton, but he died from a 15-mile-an-hour car wreck, Fez. You never know. Fall off a horse, same thing, right? You're talking about Superman? 15 miles an hour. 
Yeah. Yeah, but still a horse, you're way up on a horse. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I don't know. It, go ahead. Oh, I've seen how, how does that relate to Matt Stafford? Or was that just a random thought? About his broken back. Oh. <laughs> I don't think he had a broken back. Patton had a broken back. He had a little <laughs> fracture in his vertebrae. He had a fractured tailbone that cost him his the second tailbone, half of 2019. I know people got that from the commode. Who? I mean, they try, they're in a hurry, and they're trying to sit down really fast and get over the, you know what I'm saying? And you hit it wrong. But in 2020. I'm not naming names. In 2020, he had a torn uh, UCL in his elbow, a torn UCL in his right thumb, a right ankle sprain, broken cartilage in his rib cage. How many Super Bowls did he have at that point? And he tore something in the back of his knee. But here's what was his motivation to play? For the shitty Lions? Were they going to win the Super Bowl? It was to put up stat. You, you know they call him Matt Pack Stafford for a reason or whatever. Still didn't get the 4,500. They asked him why he played. He said, it's about the fans. For them, it's not injuries on their hands or ankles or ribs. Oh, are, are you but PR? now he's not just in telling, Detroit with those diehard fans age? anymore. He's in L.A. All I'm saying is Matt Stafford's not a guy to question like whether or not he's going to want to get out there and play. Well, let's, how's this sound? You, I think we should have a bat. No, I agree with your take, but I, agree, I disagree with that angle of it. I, but, I don't but, think that that's... That's fine, but I, I, here's the thing. You've had, no one's saying you shouldn't have your say. You are. I've never heard you read an inspirational quote from a player before. Oh, okay, because you, I said something and you guys disagreed with you it. You like so Stafford. It's all right. Yeah. You love Stafford. I do. Would you ever read a quote of James Harden like that if he said something? Sure. You would? Yeah. Hmm. You have a lot of tape back in Houston. You think we can find that? I'm sure we can. You saying, like, all kind of great things about Harden? If James Harden was toughing through an injury like yeah, that, if, then I'd probably say If he was like Matt Stafford. You know what's funny? If I'm not mistaken, that year his wife had cancer, too. Yep. So his wife had cancer, he had a broken back, and he's not missing games. And Scott comes walking in from Brooklyn saying he's going to miss games. I'm not saying he won't miss games. I just don't no, think No, I think that's what you're I'm saying. I'm saying he won't miss games by choice. Like, I don't think he's going to so say— you don't think there's any discretion based upon how important— You don't think people get knocked out of a game, they're winning by 20, they're losing by 20, they don't go back in, but if it was a tight game, they'd go back in. I don't think Matt Stafford does that. Damn, he transcends it. Mm. I do agree he's a tough guy. Like he's he toughed it out no in Detroit. I don't think we need that to be. I mean, it's just another way to win, you know. And I tell you this: sometimes it's going to be the head coach saying you're not playing. Th- that could be the case. It'll be it'll be like it'll be like a beat writer say there was almost came to blows, but then Stafford <laughs> realized his broken back was hurting, so he sat down and accepted the decision of the coach, and he'd read it the next day. <laughs> All right, so. You like to pick. What do you think about me adding in a little bit or maybe the same amount on Cooper Cup under? I like it. I don't think it's as good. Here's why. The, the Chicago Bears guy, I'm having a mental block. Allen Robinson. Robin, they, Ray, I was listening to The Athletic. Rave reviews. They're saying they've never seen a guy that knows every his routes, everyone else's routes. Oh, in terms of... Uh, the Rams. Picking I, up I, on the playbook. And yeah, everything. and they're just saying. he he. Remember, you ever look at his quarterbacks? Like going back to high school, college, he's never had an above-average quarterback. He had, uh, let's think, Trubisky and then, um, uh, you know, Fields. And, and then before that, he had a, what was he at? He was at Jacksonville, right, with Blake Bortles. And he still put up numbers. Now he's got the hero, Matt Stafford. You know, and A-Rob has been a fantasy uh, geek delight that they mm-hmm. keep saying he's about to break through every year you hear. So that. what I'm saying is I think those that Cup made a statement. Someone made a point about the OC's gone. That I think Kevin O'Connell's gone. Yeah. yeah so the guy who kind of unlocked Cup isn't there. I got a feeling mm-hmm. his yard. What was it, uh, McKenzie? Thirteen hundred and a half. 
1,300 and a half. It's a lot of yards. Under. I'm going to double up here. Yeah, I certainly I'm agree only going single. I'm going single unit. I got to pick I like better than this. I'll give today, too. Are you like, what's the, uh, is he the highest on the board for wide receiving for stats? What's Justin Jefferson for Minnesota? Justin Jefferson's number one. Yeah. You would that's my, Kevin that's O'Connell. my guy, RJ. I know. You think when you put up 1,940 something yards, like they, they'd almost make the number bigger than it should be. Well, it, it is bigger than it should I be. I guess so. But, I but, mean, it's always going to be that. I, I just think in general, you look at distributions, right? We always think it's going to happen again, but how often, do, you know, look at, look at baseball, right? You know, every year that someone's going to win 98 games or whatever, but every year the highest win total is what, like 93. Yeah. It's just you don't know who it's going to be. Well, look, yeah. Aaron Judge is going to hit 62 home runs this well, year. Well, we'll see. What's his, what's his over-under for next year? I'd put off the top of my head, 46. You want to go over-under? Mm, that's a good – I mean, you Where's really – I bet, I bet it comes out of – if he goes over Mares, I think it comes out of 52 or 53. I bet – Everything under fifty-two. I bet I'd you bet would, you but would you? Are you? Sh- what if he signs as a free agent in Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. What about the humidifiers? That's right. Humidors. Humidors. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Same thing. Cigars. Arbitors. <laughs> okay, so I got a best bet. I like even better, but I'm going to mm-hmm. wait for that. But Let's, you like the? I I agree with the Cooper Cup. You got anything else yourself? Let's talk Derrick Henry. So Derrick Henry, 1,350 rush yards. You know, this was – Scott uncovered this. Last year, if you rushed for 1,260 yards, you finished second in the NFL in rush yards. Mm-hmm. So think about this. So we got Derrick Henry, a guy that had all this massive overusage, who didn't look right when he came back for the one game after being injured in the playoffs. And now he's being lined that last year, if he had finished second in the league in rushing, he'd still go under – it seems like a beyond a leap of faith, especially for a Tennessee team that remember they're they're ahead, you know, for the last few years, yeah. most of the games. That's no longer the, necessarily going to be the case. They're they're projected to be right around a nine win team, right around a five hundred team. So not as much Derrick Henry, and frankly, a whole lot of his yardage was based upon breaking a tackle, uh-huh. getting they eight in the box, he breaks a tackle, and he goes 75 yards. He doesn't break that tackle, he gets three yards. Yeah, and I think to, to that point, teams are going to be more inclined to defend against Derrick Henry because there's no more A.J. Brown there now, the, the big receiving target for Ryan Tannehill. I think teams might just be saying, like, just be willing to let Ryan Tannehill beat them. Robert Woods, Westbrook. I mean, who's the playmaker, right? They drafted one with the guy they traded for, but I hear what you're saying. Is that um, it? Burks? Is it they, they drafted? There's no threat, though. There's yeah. no there's no one wide. Like, A.J. Brown's a wide receiver where you're like, all right, we have to dedicate yes. some coverage to A.J. Brown. You don't have to dedicate some coverage to some of the guys that they have now on the Titans. You could load up on Derrick Henry. Yes. And, yeah, that was Burks they drafted. Thank you. So I like it. See, I questioned the whole Henry thing, and you were saying over usage, but before the injury, which there's no sense that injury was caused by any, like fatigue or whatever, because when you break your foot, you know it's not going to be about that necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can always say it's about sh- everything. Yeah, it could we be don't about know. the sugar, the lemonade he had that summer, but I mean, we don't know, right? And there's no history of that being like broken feet off of 
you know, sure. over usage. But it was, you know, he was the alien. We had talked about, like, the rule of 350, and he hadn't, it hadn't applied to him. But you're saying, and it doesn't now, because I don't think you can count a freak injury. When he carried mm-hmm. the ball that many times, the average player, if he was three different people carrying the ball a third as much, but you said how many combined injuries would they have? Hmm. They'd have more than Henry had, even counting the one sure, he had. So, I agree. So he's been less prone to injury than an average back. So how can we act like anything caught up to him when he has his first injury? Now, maybe there's going to be lingering effects of the injury, mm-hmm. but I don't think this is an indictment of the plan they used coming up. I don't think it's an indictment, but I think we put him, we had him in a category of this guy is just bionic, and now we're saying, no, nah, he's more towards being a normal human being that he is susceptible, at least susceptible to some injury. Now, this is a contract year because, remember, they signed. I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, what's, what is he now, 29, McKenzie? 28. Yeah. So... I don't know. Do you like under? Oh, yes. I mean, how's Vrabel going to play? If, if, they're, if they're a 500, if they're a 9 and 8 or an 8 and 9 team, how does Vrabel play? I mean, I, I think they keep fighting hard. I think they ground out. Oh, wins. yeah. He's, so mean, you don't think it's a usage issue? You think it's injury potentially? I think it's the injury potential is what I'm banking on. If there's no injury. You think it's 50 50? I think it's 50 50. And, and I mean, we don't want to be um, morbid, but where do you put the injury risk at? 30%. Well, so under that theory, if you win 30% of the time and you split the other at 35, you're hitting 65%. Yeah, just like, like the long, just like that long, the long-term trends on, on all of our skill yeah. position players. It's one year, and we yeah. wouldn't be talking about it if it was. All right, so call it 15%. You right. know, we're still hitting 57 and a half. No, I, I hear yeah. you. Henry was asked about a possible reduced workload, and he told the Tennessean, quote, whatever it takes to win, my mindset has always been the same, same, if it's going to be that type of game, it's that type of game, then go from there, end quote. You know, Henry started his career very slow. Remember Malinsky hmm. was a big fan of his, saying that once the teams get tired, like late in the year, he runs a lot better. And he was, a, you know, I mean, he was kind of a, not a bust, but he certainly wasn't a first couple of years wasn't great. Yeah, there's no doubt that it sure seems the eye test says he doesn't, like, avoid the tackle. He just runs over dude. And then he breaks containment, goes for 50, right? All right. So we got three so far, right? How, what, what do you got here? I'm going to reiterate one that you and I talked about, Aurelia, and that's uh, Debo Samuel under the receiving yards. Uh, nine, no, I don't think we talked about this. This is fresh. We talked about this on SOV last, last week or two weeks ago. Oh, under okay. the receiving yeah. yards. Yeah, under receiving yards, 950. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, I am not a, as big of a believer in Trey Lance as everyone seems to be around the NFL. Uh, I've heard a lot of questions about Trey Lance. I've heard a lot of people that are gushing over the 49ers and Trey Lance this year. Um, maybe that's just McKenzie. Gushing over what? Over <laughs> that they're going to be good, yes. And But speaking of practices, the one thing that I have seen coming out of 49ers practice that I really love is, as a side note to this Debo thing, everyone's talking about how good Brandon Ayuk looks and how yes. Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk seem to be developing this chemistry. Good. The more throws to Brandon Ayuk, the less throws to Debo Samuel. So correct me if I'm wrong. Brandon Ayuk was working with his quarterback before camp, right? And that they've, mm-hmm. they've, they've developed this chemistry that obviously, you yeah, know. He, and, he, and everyone's talking about how good he's looked right now in training camp. So if Ayuk becomes a favorite target of Trey Lance, that's less catches and less yardage for Debo Samuel. Plus, Debo's going to want to put to rest 
all of the anti-running back notion that was out there in the media during this entire contract so negotiation. So now you're talking about the split between running yes. and, and, and receiving. I think that he's going to actually rush more than he did last year. He's got an incentive really in his gonna, contract. Yeah, it's really going to be the coaching decision. Right? Yes, but he's got an incentive in his contract to rush for, I believe it's over 350 yards this year. So I think he's going to hit that contract incentive. And what, and we got this up here. Mackenzie, you want to read it? Yes, $650,000 for each season during the contract that he has 380-plus rushing yards. And last year he had over 380 yards. So I think that this year he will eclipse that as well. And you figure it's one or the other. If he's rushing, he's not catching. Yeah, and I'm going to go under Debo 950-and-a-half receiving yards. Now, I actually liked the under-rushing yards better, though it's not directly available. So they have a combined stat or a combined prop. And they the have combined the, was thirteen hundred, which would mean it's only three. It's only three fifty. So it's exactly lined up with his incentive. It's less than his incentive. If he hits his incentive, it's how many yards he need for his incentive? Three fifty. Three eighty. Okay. Three eighty. Whatever. So it is. to me, Faz, if you can, if you can, because here's the thing where I actually think he goes. But let me. I th- I go. I'm thinking, and I might have misspoke. Over rushing yards is what I like. Yeah, you like the. We talked about betting the over of the combined mm-hmm. and under. the under in the receiving with a chance to middle. And yeah, trying both. to get at it, but. And, and I, I like the I over. I got one more handicap. I, I love the over the rushing, but let's be sure to like archive this and not forget about it because, and I think you you talked a lot about this the last couple of years, the last two weeks of the season. Let's say he's sitting at 330 mm-hmm. rush yards. Boom. Try he's, to understand where, how the prop. Yeah, the contract he's going to yeah. get. He's yeah. going to yes. get there, and and the bookmakers are going to set him based upon his season-long average, and it will be a Especially point of emphasis. Especially if get at it early, I Especially think. if the game isn't that important to the team. Yeah, and I think it's, again, the bookies – on those low limit stuff are putting it up there, but if you wait, every sharp person around gets to shape, put it into shape, especially when there's a clear trend like an incentive in a contract. Exactly right. But the opening number, if Debo's going up at 33 rush yards every single week, you can you can bet anything that that's what the number they're going to put up at the opener week 16, 17, 18. Here's the last reason I like this: they gave Debo a contract that seems to be the perfect length of time, where. He's got in, they've, he's agreed to run. He's got incentives to run. The theory is if you're going to run me into the ground, pay me extra. Yeah, sure. I think the 49ers are just going to say, hey, we're paying for it. Let's use it. Yeah. And if they had a longer contract, and it, because what is it, McKenzie? Just two new years or three? Three new years. Three new years. So it's a rookie deal plus three. You don't see that short of a contract very often. Right, so the rookie was he—he he wasn't a first rounder, so it's four, so it's seven years will be into his career when this is done, right? Correct. I mean, he's still in theory. You're not trying to keep him for one or two. Like McCaffrey had one or two years at the end that things got to go well for it to work out. I don't think that's the case with Debo, which means you don't really worry about preservation as much if you're the team. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense, especially obviously. What they're they're just no good running backs at age thirty anymore. So yeah, bang, get you know, ride the horse. And to me, it correlates with the 49ers' success also. Because if we're going on like you know maybe a total win total number for the 49ers, I like an under on the 49ers. Okay. So I like I like an under on the Debo and so receiving you're, yards. Pes- you're pessimistic. Yeah. So how much of your handicap is you think teams' propensity to? Um, get him running, I guess, and not throwing as much? Mm -hmm. And how much is just uh, fading Trey Lance, honestly? Honestly, it's probably 60-40, 60 fading Trey Lance, 40 on Debo running more. 
rebuttal, Mackenzie? It's his opinion. Why, why am I going to rebuttal it? Maybe give, maybe do your job before I dock your day's pay and do your job and give an, an okay, argument so the other way. Sunday head, Lance why, head is. Why would you talk about the 49ers after someone gave a pick on the 49ers? Is that what you're really asking me? I mean, obviously, I'm disagreeing with uh, with his pessimism on well, the 49ers. So, but I don't care. I want to hear some good analysis. So, Sam, uh, Lance has definitely had an up and down training Lance? camp. Lance, yeah, Trey, Lance. buddy, Trey, All call right. him Trey. Trey, we. <laughs> he had his worst practice on Sunday by a lot, and I think it's so just really follow, telling do you him. You follow the the practice reports every t day. I do, and today he had his best practice. So I think they're making him go through the tough trials right now. And I think he'll be better for it. And I'm optimistic that today he was 13 for 18 with three TDs, a 65-yard 65 65-yard 65 rushing touchdown, and no picks. So I like the trend line on Trey Lance. He just quoted me the practice stats. A 65-yard rushing touchdown. He was trying to tackle to the quarterback. Him. Yeah, <laughs> he was untouched, according to reports. Well, they, they can't touch him. They, you can touch him. Did they pull? You his wrap him up. Did they pull his flag? <laughs> <laughs> now here's my question. If a serious question. If Jimmy G were quarterback in San Fran this year, would you like them better or worse chance to make the playoffs than Trey Lance in year one? I'd like their chances to make the playoffs more with Jimmy G. And how about win the Super Bowl? Much less. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Do you have, if I want to ask you another question later, is it okay if you skip the part where you ask me why I want you to answer the question? Yes. Thanks. <laughs> I'm alive. Some people call it a monthly flow. There's flow in town. You ever hear that? Ant flow. Ant flow? Yeah. Ant flow is me. Is that like Alice? The, the no. TV show? No. It's like menstruation. Oh. Menstruation. <laughs> Mackenzie men's straights. I think you just, mans right. I think you just mansplained also. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was weird, wasn't it? I go yeah, rebuttal. Yeah. He goes, why should I be rebuttal? It's his opinion. <laughs> Uh, this we is can't a, change who we are. Yeah. <laughs> this is a debate show? I'm a Niners fan. I was a Niners fan when you hired me. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that was crazy. He's like screaming about why do I try to respond to this topic that's exactly in my wheelhouse. And someone on the show just said something I disagree with. Why do you want me to talk now? That's crazy. <sighs> All right, so you, you almost got ahead here. You got anything baseball? Hit us with one or two of your biggest, you know, uh, and we'll see if McKenzie has anything to say about it. <laughs> uh, I think the Mets are the team to beat right now. Has he ever done that when he goes on your show? No, he answers everything like, I ask like him. If you ask him, he goes, why are you asking me that? No, he answers everything. Uh, what? Yeah, he answers things you didn't even ask. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I think the Mets are the team to beat right now. and uh, The I, favorite to win it all. I would take the Mets to win in a four-game series against anybody in Major League Baseball but, right now. But they're now. not favored to win at all. The Dodgers are favored. Dodgers, that's yeah. the point. Yeah. And the Yankees, number two. Yeah. You mean uh, in a seven-game And the Astros, right? number three. In a seven-game series. Obviously, seven. Four, yeah. I don't, I don't see the Mets losing four games out of seven. So if I said I'm going to give you – you pick no odds. Mm -hmm. I know you pick a team to win this. And if you're right, I'm going to give you 10000 If you're wrong, you buy me dinner. What team would you pick? You get 10000 if this team wins the World yeah. Series. I'd take the Mets. I'd take the Dodgers. Okay, I know you take the favor, Fez. Oh, the market. Let's battle the market. It, 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 this, is, this is what's happening right now. The way that Jacob DeGrom has looked in his two starts, granted it's only been his, it's only two starts, 
But he looks as good as he's ever looked in his He looks 2018-2019 Jacob DeGrom when he won back-to-back Cy Youngs. That's how dominant he is right now. And with Scherzer and DeGrom pitching four of the seven games, maybe five, I don't know if Buck Showalter's going to go 1-4-7 with a guy like Max, although if there was a pitcher on the Mets that would go on three days rest, it would be Max to go 1-4-7 in a, in a, in a playoff series. When they won the A-Rod World Series, who was the manager? The Yankees? Yeah. Joe Girardi. Okay, so all right. Yeah. So I, I would say that four of the seven games are going to be pitched by Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. I can't see the Mets losing, forget about one, I can't see them losing two of those four games. And I just think with the way that Edwin Diaz is pitching out of the bullpen, you realize he's putting up better numbers this year than like Mariano Rivera historic numbers. Edwin Diaz right now, 70 or 80 to 1 to win the National League Cy Young Award, worth a sprinkle because. There's going to be voters that are going to. When vote was the last reliever to win a Cy Young? Eric Gagne, twenty whatever year that was, okay. steroid Gagne year. All right. Um, it's very unlikely, especially Bruce with the Suter. especially with the way that uh, Sandy Alcantara is pitching. It's very unlikely. But um, the Mets right now, they made the acquisitions to bolster their power. So their DH spot is a platoon between Darren Ruff and Dan Vogelbach. What an absolute unit Dan Vogelbach is, by the way. He weighs my like four hundred yeah, pounds. My idol. All right, so only four relief pitchers have won the Cy Young in the past yeah. 35 years. Yeah, it's a long shot bet. But yeah, yeah, if yeah. you look at the numbers of Edwin Diaz. That actually wait, supports him. The Mets yeah. this because year. Because he's, he's we're getting 80 to 1, and it's happened 10% t- of the let me, time. Let me just tell you a stat. Rivera never won, huh? No. Um, the Mets this year are, i got to pull it up, 61-0. and 0. Well, that was as a couple of days ago when leading after eight innings. Hmm. So it's like 63-0 and 0 now after le- with <laughs> this year. With a lead after eight innings, they're the only team in baseball that hasn't blown a lead. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Alcantara, for I had one good shutout, but like since the All Star break, he actually sputtered a bit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He was he was not himself for like, yeah. three. He's games, regressed right? a little bit, but then again, he but he goes nine innings and gives you know throws a complete he, game. He's with thrown like four complete allowed. games, yeah. which is like more than a lot of teams. Yeah. Correct? So Faz, you made some win total bets. After conferring on the pod, how how are they looking? Yeah, so we played the Blue Jays under, I believe, ninety three. So that's that is looking good. It's not a lock, but it's looking good. We played the Reds under, which is it's close actually. The Reds, it looks like we're going to win because Scott was mentioning, oh, they're going to they're going to get rid of everyone, and they got rid of two of their starting pitchers. Get rid of everybody. And Castillo's a great pitcher, and and Molly is perfectly capable. So the the Reds dumped, and we're going to we probably would have lost without that dump, but we that was part of our our handicap. So the Blue Jays right now on Fangraphs projected to finish the season with ninety wins. And we have the Twins over 84. I believe that they're trending to, like, they, they picked up a couple guys. We're probably going to win because of that. They're trending to 84. Yeah, oh, so it's, it's going to be real close. But I, I like, I, yeah. think, I think they're going to get there just because the team got better at the, at the All-Star Do you break. get any sense of the Padres? I mean, the, they, obviously they, they lost to the Dodgers. They got a major reality check this weekend. Yeah. Hmm. A major reality check. Now, they're the market agree, doesn't agree fully, but a week ago the Mets were plus 750. And then today they were plus 550. So you don't see that kind of move. All we saw was that the uh, Grom looked good for two games. Well, they they played a five game series against Atlanta. They and went they four, four, four out of five. five. Yeah, so, so some so of that they, you're like saying... clinched the division essentially. They were like but 70 percent. Now yeah, they're 90. Okay. So that right, was so that important. Yeah, they yeah. opened up a seven game lead in the division. Yeah, but they were going to make the wild card anyway, right? So yeah, but oh, yeah. the wild card's way way worse. Now you got a one game crapshoot. Even Is it with one the Grom? game now? I thought it was three. No, it's three. But oh, I'm it's, sorry. it's keep in mind now. It's a bracket format. So the third, the top two division winners get the buys into the divisional round. And the, the Mets third, are in a position for that now? Yes. The third division winner has to play against the 
sixth, wa- the third wild card, and then the two other wild cards play each other. And they burn out their top three and pitchers. Then, so yes. four becomes and two, and two's Wayne. It's yes, it's basically, and then the one seed takes on the winner of uh, four, uh, three six. The two seed plays the winner of four five. So it looks like Yankees, Astros mm-hmm. will get the bye. Mets, Dodgers. Dodgers will get the yeah. bye. That's a good because I was saying, you know, it feels like National League's deeper. But it also, because San Diego, people like, and I mean, like you said, reality check, but it feels like Astros are the third best team. But you're saying now with the Mets surging, I mean, the theory being based on the market, Yankees, Dodgers, Mm -hmm. Astros felt tougher than the Mets, but now I'm reevaluating that too. Yeah, and another team that I would be uh, kind of, I'm a little bullish on is the Phillies. Phillies are creeping up the wild card standings. They're chasing down Atlanta for the first wild card now. And with the addition of Syndergaard, now they have a bona fide one, two, three in their rotation. So we talked when, about Philly last week. Yeah, when they get and and since then they've won ten of their last eleven. Damn. So when they get to a wild card series and the three games, they're pitching Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Noah Syndergaard with Bryce Harper coming back. They could beat anybody. So I think they're a very sneaky team. I had a question on the Mets for him because he's talking about the Mets the same way I kind of talked about the Houston Astros in 2019. That was the year that Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander got every first and yeah. second place vote for Cy Young. Yeah. They, they were the two best pitchers in the world. And I was like, no one can beat them in a seven-game series. And then they lost a World Series to the Nationals because the bats didn't show up. Well, the, also the, Mets the Nationals offense, had Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. Uh, you know, their pitch yeah. rotation was pretty sick as well. Did, did, the, <laughs> did the Mets – are their bats, like, good enough to win a World Series, do you think? Are, yeah. are they going to back these guys? Yeah, I think that – and I do think that, like I said, that their biggest weakness was maybe adding a little more power, which they did – with the acquisitions of Vogelbach and Darren Ruff. So now their their DH spot now has just as good enough pop. You know, I think Vogelbach went back-to-back homers with Alonzo the other day and just, you know, everyone feels good about it. All right. What are you doing, Fez? Oh, I, I'm, I'm having a, a phone malfunction. Relax, relax. All right, as you're doing that, <laughs> I'm going to end uh, Scott's portion of the show with this. <clears throat> Maybe I can't win. Maybe the only thing I can do is just take everything he's got but to beat me, he'll have to kill me. And to kill me, he'll have to have the heart to stand in front of me. And to do that, he has to be willing to die himself. I don't know if he's ready to do that. I don't know. RJ always tells the truth. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scotty, good stuff. You can follow him on Twitter, at Scott's on Air. No possessive there. You might think there should be. Scott, or contraction, I guess. Scott is on air, but he said, no, I don't need that. Scott's on air. And then AJ, AJ is the real. Is that right? That's correct. AJ is the, the real. real. Somehow I just took RJ in Vegas. Yes. It, it was, the great one. Imagine was, if I'd said AJ in Houston, and then it'd be like, oh. Well, I it could have no, been. I wasn't it could have been. Vegas. Could have been AJ Israel, like Amari Stonemeyer was Amari Israel. But you know where that came from? Amari Israel. No, no, you know where <laughs> his, his, his name came from. The Iron Sheik came in there one day looking for bourbon, sat down, had an interview, <laughs> and at the end he's going, "You want to do the imitation? You, you are the real AJ. AJ is the real Bubba. That's what he said. I almost <laughs> and, went AJ and, is the real Bubba. And his whole life now, that's his greatest moment. It did bring me joy. The Iron Sheik called him the real. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was just more of a timing thing on why that happened. Of all, but Twitter, you were just deciding on your Twitter account right that minute? I think around then, yeah. You should have given me a call. Did I know you at the time? I don't think so. Was no. Carl, du- were you, you weren't even in the Carl. No, Duke I was in slot. middays, yeah. 
Yeah, you were on no, you weren't even on my radar. No. I just do drive time. Morning. I understand. All right. I used to do mornings with with the. I didn't do it with you, but I did it with. Uh, what I always forget that, the Florida guy's name. Eric. Eric Casillas. Yeah. He had a little. He was a. He, I, he had a bad reputation. Everyone said, you know, he had the stuff with the women or whatever, right? There was incidents. I don't know. But, um, I mean, I know that's in the press or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he kind of had a know-it-all attitude that people thought. I personally do myself, so it's like I don't mind that. Did you find, like, he was hard to deal with? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time. Are you being, are you being all uh, politically correct? I enjoyed my time. I had a great time. <laughs> I, 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 I really did. I had a good time on that morning show. And your lawyer will give me a call and say, yeah. <laughs> all right, Scotty, thank you. Talk to you next week. Oh, hey, by the way, so here's what I want to do for next week. I want us to do something that we find the face. It's too easy. Like, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to do freaking teasers, uh, you know, long teasers. We're not going to sit here and take up time saying, well, take two and a half up to eight and a half. No, no, no. It's obvious, all right? I want teasers that aren't Wong teasers. You mean the ones that I play? Yes, yeah. you the, go through the, zero. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. where people will yell at me for losing the value of the zero. Scott's going to be really good at this segment, I think. Yeah. Well, he might have to have, we might have to do the, the regular segment with Scott, <laughs> in which we say advantage teasers. But, Fez, I want you to do strange teasers. You Something against your nature. Is that what you're asking for? Like teasing totals? But, he, yeah. yeah. I hear people saying teasing totals in the preseason makes some sense. Because you're down. If you're down at 30, there's getting down six to 24. Is that worth it? Well, I I've got some numbers on. This. All right, so let's do this. Last thing is next week. I want us to all pick three over props on skill position players. Mm. One quarterback, one running back, one receiver. And your quarterback yeah, prop over can't be over interceptions, right? No. That's okay. It's got to be positive stuff. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. And by the way, I'm going to change that. One quarterback, the other two can be whatever you want. Okay. Because I do want one quarterback and something, but only one. I don't want three quarterbacks. Got it. Over, Faz. You ready? I'm ready. You got someone you're thinking of right now? No. All right. So I'm not ready. I'll be ready. You, Matt Stafford's tough as nails. Mm. All right. Now, are we I'm ready. Is there any? Thank you, Scott. Is there any other of these that we want to do? Mackenzie had yeah. one. Mackenzie. Now, don't be mad. You ready? <laughs> I don't know why I come off that way. I don't know. Just listen to the tape. Go ahead. CeeDee Lamb of the Cowboys, his over-under right now is 1,175 yards. Well, let me guess. When you says 1,100, I think he's going <laughs> under. I do like the under. I think he's the last option for the Cowboys, and he's going to face doubles you're, and brackets. Hey, dude, you're burying the lead. What is the lead in this analysis? So the Cowboys lost their number one main receiver, Amari Cooper, last year. They traded him. All right, so number one's one way to say it. But the other way to say it is, and maybe jump on, just hit X receiver and see what the default Google analysis is. But as we were talking about in pre-production, there's one receiver that is on the line on the outside. That is going to be your Megatron. It's the guys that are tall and fast. Evans, I think, is an X most of the time. And... It's usually you can't be small outside. That's just all there is to it. Because you're getting, you got to be able to fight. You know, a guy like Chase is not only can he play so well anywhere, but he can play outside. That you see, whenever the first four, three or four or five receivers are almost always an outside receiver that can play inside, but the inside receivers that can't play outside are not near as valuable. And that was uh, there was one guy that was uh, oh 
the Minnesota guy. I, I think you can check this, Mackenzie, after your analysis. I think, uh, God, I am tired. Um, what, what's the Minnesota receiver? Just, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson. Jefferson. Allen and Thielen. But, yeah, Jefferson, though, is uh, he's not an outside receiver. He's a slot, right? I'm almost certain, certain of that. And if so, it, he was picked. I mean, he's doing exceptionally well, but he was picked really high as a slot receiver because usually the slots go after the, you know, the best of the – where did he go, though, in the 20s, right, early 20s? I think. They, Diggs they sent to – but oh, they boy. got a good trade and they used that pick. Okay. Um, so what was this uh, – we were talking slot percentages and stuff. Did you – you want to share with us? McKenzie? I got the definition, uh, one definition of the X receiver. Go so ahead. the yeah. widest receiver away from the tight end. What's unique about him as opposed to the X receiver is that the X receiver in most most formations has a lot of expectations. The X receiver is split in, and those expressions are usually synonymous. So he's tethered to the line of scrimmage, he and there's a lot of expectations. He's on the line of scrimmage, which means he can be pressed. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get out of the press, you cannot play outside. And you got to be tall enough to catch fades or catch. You got to be fast enough to take the top off. You got to be strong enough and tall enough to win at the hand fighting at the line of scrimmage. And you also got to have enough precise. I mean, it's like you got to have it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, even like an AB couldn't, you know, AB was a great, um, you know, inside receiver and he could go outside, but he just wasn't as good at it. And, and, and you think he's one of the best receivers of the last 10 years. Jerry Rice could do it all, though. But, and Randy Moss was the prototypical, right? Mm-hmm. You want a fly pattern, he's got you covered, right? And you think he was getting jammed at the line? He was, you know, moving the kid away and just running. He was carrying the guy down the field. You know they use Moss as a verb. They go, he mossed, mossed him. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When he reaches over the top of him and takes the ball I away. It's like just a, a – a, Catch where it's like how strong you are, how high you can. Mm. Well, it's the physicality yeah. of it, I think. Um, now that that is respect when when it's no like the play is named after you. And it's going to get a little easier for wide receivers, at least initially. We feel this year because point of emphasis. But it's just not going to add to the receiver stats. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, now the question is, do they get less aggressive? Right, there's going to be more defensive holding that's going to be called, especially early in the year. Point of emphasis. But here's and the now, thing: defensive holding very rarely, correct me if I'm wrong, gets called off the um, press or the you know uh, bump and run. It used to be called right. The bump and run. What happens is if you get if you fall behind off the press. You're inclined to reach and touch. Yeah, a little, little grab. A little jersey. How often do you see that? A little jersey disrupting the timing between the quarterback and the receiver. But if yeah. you don't get beat, I mean, maybe they're going to press, and then if they get beat, they're told to, like, hey, keep trying for it, but do less. It's like holding. I mean, Belichick spent, you know, I remember we were at the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Brady Quinn was there. To, you know, it's funny. You think of him, he looked like a small quarterback. He's like six, four and a half. You know, monster of a man, yeah, big guy. And, um, well, relatively, yes. I mean, cow, (laughs) um, the, uh, Murray was there at the same Super Bowl, and he, you know, yeah, he was like five, nine and a half, maybe. (laughs) You towered over him, I did tower over him, not quite six foot, but, but the, um, he was talking about Belichick, and I don't know if he was playing with a team or he was in the media, but Quinn said every other coach, you know, listened to the presentation from the referees. They were doing the annual presentation, talking about rules and, and points of emphasis and whatever. And then 
Belichick was asking specific um, referees what they considered holding. So there was like three or four different, if my hand's here on their shoulder pad, and every game they have it scouted where this line judge or whatever is, he, he calls a lot of holding penalties on this. Mm. He doesn't call on that. And literally like in an NBA game, the uh, way they're calling it dictates the way the defense is played. Well, Belichick tries to make it where they have a plan based upon the propensity to call mm-hmm. holding. And, w- and not just how many, but which type of plays get the calls and which type don't. And it just, again, another example of Belichick, you know, going the extra mile and, and why he wins so much. But I found it very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think about even like in basketball, like that block charge, like certain refs would, you know, more likely to call call it as a block mm-hmm. will attack the rim when those refs are playing, right? I, I mean, to me, when we watch the NBA playoffs evolve over the, you know, and, and progress over the series, it feels like the refs had, I'd say in more than half the games after game one, the refs, were the deciding factor it was i mean even in the finals it was when, when boston could be physical against golden state they were much better yeah when they couldn't they were they weren't near That's as a great good. point and i do believe we don't fully understand it referee there were referees back in the day or umpires in baseball uh her what was that guy's name Hershey, not hersheiser hersbrenner that was it, but it's something like that he was under under like 63 yeah. percent over like a decade and um, it finally got caught on where he was. His games were, were Something moving. Backed. Hirschbeck. Yeah, I think Hirschbeck is it. I would. I, all I now remember in baseball, I don't know if it's still this way, is the first game of the series you wouldn't know till ten minutes before, but then after that it rotated from uh, first base guy goes John Hirschbeck. Yeah. 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 And I'm telling you, I all all I, I know a guy that was batting ten thousand a game under every Hirschbeck game. Hmm. So. Now, the guy went broke, <laughs> but it wasn't because of the Hirsch bat- yeah. bats. Okay. 12 nothing, Colorado. There's some scoring in Colorado, Fez. What's the humidor situation? The humidor should make... No, uh, thank Col- you. No, Col- no. no, I know this. I know this Save answer. Save this for the Fez. Colorado is dry, so the ball should be So they don't sell o- weed there anymore. So now the ball won't <laughs> travel as far because now the ball will have more moisture in it in Colorado. Has anyone ever said, hey, man, can I get a dime bag for him? And you said, no, town's dry. Mountain Dew, that's it. <laughs> uh, you should have heard, did you hear the show when AJ was going against drugs? I missed that one. Oh, my gosh. He was like, he sounded like, you know who he sounded like? Joe Friday from Dragnet. Uh, just he, the facts. No, it was like. He'll go into some big long thing about first you think it's fun with a little reefer after work. <laughs> then he goes, then you're putting your baby in the microwave. First of all, I'm not anti-drug at all. Obviously. But I did think there was some hypocrisy at play there. I know. And I and 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 you had your say. I just read about leaded gas. And for years there was leaded gas in oh, Algeria yeah. you, until you 2021. About, they was, allowed I, it was leaded gas in the late seventies. Jesus. I mean it's terrible. Why? It kills people. Like, you get the lead that's like... But I grew up with leaded gas. Yeah. What does that say? Mm. I turned out fine. Might, it might have might helped me. I can't spell so good. <laughs> Fez, I actually have tape of, you know, from that show of AJ and his anti-drug stuff. Check it out. 
I like to have a little something going every day. Maybe nothing big, but a little daily recreation don't hurt anybody. Oh, wait a minute. That was Joe Friday talking about wanting to... That's when he was... Un, I saw this. He was undercover. And he went... This bar... Doesn't sound like a cop at all. This bar, it was really sad. There was a guy who was running the bar, and he owned it, but, like, he was losing it. Is that COVID? Oh, fuck. No. And he starts sneezing? I'm 100%. Oh, man. <laughs> Did you take the quick test or the uh, the real test? I, took- I had it a month ago. I'm fine. I've never had it. Well, here it comes. I'm immune. That, it's going to screw your knee up. That could be. Imagine if the COVID makes him limp the rest of his oh, life because of your sneeze. I've been tested it. four times in a row every day, and I'm negative. My immune system's time. all like, but oh, there's always fix No matter knee. what it is, there's one minute you have, one second you have it, one second you do. I've right? got no symptoms whatsoever. You just sneezed all over the studio. Yeah, you just, you just sneezed. What's the over/under on sneezes Let me or ask coughs you a in a, over a three-hour pod? Let me ask you a question. A about, half? Let me ask you a question, Doctor Fezzik, about cancer. Is it true that cancer, that one second you don't have it, is there a moment in time that you get cancer? I don't know. I would think yes. I think it has to be one. It has cell. to be. There has to be. Yeah, it's like being pregnant. So like, it's like boom. So, this. So, so the question is, but bang. Okay, but. <laughs> But the but it's like getting pregnant, right? One, two, three. All right, honey, I'm done. All right. Although they say prostate cancer is like everyone has it. Prostitutes? What? No, prostate oh. cancer. They say like everyone like has like a PSI of a certain. Yeah, we're, we're, we're confusing the matter. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm just trying to get an answer to this question. It, so you're telling me there's a moment you have cancer and a moment before you did it. If you would have went to sleep like a half hour before and got rest and your system was better... Would you maybe not get that first sow and never get it? And if you smoke a cigarette instead, does it ignite it? And if you didn't smoke that, like, wait, because if it was one minute you have it, one minute you don't, that means that one sow went from good to bad, right? Yeah, so, like, the decision to smoke that cigarette or going to the wind buffet that night and you're already overweight, you know, which puts you at a little more risk, is it possible that the, the two extra lamb chops you had Made the difference. Or Mackenzie's 42 Adderall he had that one day before his vacation. Yeah. Can't be good. Eh, just things I think about. You got any other thoughts on drugs? No. You did a lot. You smoked a lot of weed before it was legal, right? I smoked some weed before it was legal. I mean, a lot. When I said dry, you knew exactly. I went to a music college. I, it, it, it was when around. I said, when I said dry, you knew exactly what I was talking about. I knew about what it. you were talking about. Uh-huh. He's hip. <laughs> I'm as hip as you. Yeah. I'm extremely hip. So we're more hip than Fezzik. Should I'm, we get a trophy? I'm more <laughs> hip. Of my age, I have to be in the 99th point nine. Well, 99th percentile. I right? might be in the one percentile. I think that's fair to say. No, 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 no. Third, Fez, third percentile. Okay, yeah, so I'll give this best bet now. But first, Mackenzie, you got the Cooper Michael Gallup. So Gallup was 92% wide. How many snaps did he go? This, One second. It seems like this adds up more than there were. So 92 plus uh, for Gallup, 71 for Cooper, 56 for Lamb. Now, what's Gallup's current situation? He's expected to be back about week 10. He's on the so pup for list. The beginning of oh, the that long. Yeah, so the beginning of the year. Good job, McKenzie. The beginning of the year, you, they lost Cooper, who was 71% wide, lost Gallup for the first half plus of the season, 92% wide. 
CD Lamb only 56%. Now he's going to be the only wide guy, right? Especially with James Washington expected to miss the first six to ten weeks with a foot. Former Steeler. Lost Cedric Olson, their number four wide receiver. Nelly Olson's brother on Little House on the Prior? Yeah, exactly. That One guy. and the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think Dallas is in trouble. I think the whole I, I like Philadelphia Fez over Miami. You know, Philadelphia, the division odds keep every day they get close. Like I last time I saw, I think it was Dallas plus one thirty, Philly plus one seventy. They get closer seemingly really every look day. At it, if here's the thing. The percentage of handicappers, there's two directions you can handicap. You can take last year's results and try to adjust for change and adjust for misperception from last year's results. Or you can say, I'm going to look at the roster and build it and build a power rating from scratch, from scratch. Hardly anyone does the second. Because mm-hmm. think about it, you've got to make well, a lot harder. 50 some decisions, whereas in the adjustments, you're making seven, eight decisions a team. But this right. is the rare case where I think both of the analysis are going to land you on Dallas under things like. I but believe- what I'm, what, the point I'm making here, and then you can jump into that, mm-hmm. is I think if we built from the ground up blind resume, that Philly's the better team. How is Dallas even favored? Yeah, they shouldn't be. I don't see it. Dak are still quite. He has not played well since his injury, his big injury, yet. I mean, for any extended period, he may. You know, who knows? But he hasn't. You, oh, he had a calf injury. If a calf injury causes you that many problems, that means you're going to be hurt all the time. And if Hurts has gotten better every year, if he gets a little bit better, you know, Hurts was the biggest mover, and Mike Thando's calling for the Athletic with quarterbacks, and. It's like if the guy gets upgraded the most of anyone and they made the playoffs last year, it's probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. And and then you look at the receivers, you look at the defense. Look I at mean, the Lions. They got the cheap line or the cheap cornerback from uh, the Giants, you know, that, that, that really shored up the corners. I got to tell you, I, I, I think it's an example where we started with a dichotomy and now we're saying, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure Philly shouldn't be the clear favorite. Throw, throw out a best bet, a bonus best bet here. Philly, I... I know this is on DraftKings. I'm too late. I've already given a lot of Philly. Philly, Philly plus four at Dallas. Plus four. Is that week one? It's, it's the middle of the year. Okay. Could be week 12. I really don't know when So that's saying Philly at Dallas plus four. Okay, so that's Dallas, Dallas doesn't Dallas have a home. two points better. Yeah, Dallas doesn't have a home feel. And, and the no. more, yeah. And that's the look-aheads, right? How many, there's a lot of books with look-aheads now, right? Yeah, uh, William Hill has every game, mm-hmm. and DraftKings has every game. Okay. Those, two, those two books. I think what we should do is we should do a separate podcast. We can do it same day, but whenever the next weeks are coming up, we should do a little 20-minute where we look at a, a week ahead and we start publicly batting, like just max batting. Now, what's the, I, I guess we won't know in the look-aheads, there's more, one week ahead, there's even more, right? Because that 411, or um, Chris was doing it, one of those um, white labels was doing it, right, that you had access to when we were doing it with Matty Holt? Yeah, so we were, Westgate always did it, mm-hmm. and one other book was doing it. And that was an online book, right? Yes. Okay. Um, but I, I think that that's going to become more and more common. Let's let's face it. We saw week we so week one lines came out, mm-hmm. then week two lines came out. Now all the books have week two lines. A lot of them have week two lines up, and now we've got two books with every NFL game. I think it's going to become commonplace these look ahead lines in the NFL. Yeah, and I, to me, those openers are as soft as NFL lines. I mean, I guess the the season, you know, games of the year, the whole year, 
But then I think during the season, those week aheads are the softest lines in the NFL. Absolutely, because everyone on Sunday afternoon is looking at the openers for the Mm -hmm. week, all right? Mm -hmm. But no one is looking like on Tuesday when they when they, the next week's lines come up at a couple books, those just sit out there. And, you know, people's looking, but like you said, if you fire, the, you know, why not? If you're going to do it, might as well do it early, right? Get yeah, there's it right. some syndicates, you know, Malinsky used to talk about this, how they didn't yeah. want to tip their hand. They really liked a game. Why Why let everybody know it, like, for one bet for 3000 or $2,000 that they liked something and moved it a point? Plus the bookkeeping. Plus the book, I'm okay with the one week. It's, it's the one year nightmare. Imagine being so wealthy, AJ, so wealthy that you can say, here's some positive EV action, but you just have to account at the end of each day or pay someone to account for it. And then you have to divvy up your profits, but it's too much hassle. It's, just thank Plus God. Plus it's a fiscal year or calendar year when you grade these things in, in January 3rd. I hear you. All right, so, Mackenzie, what are you showing here? Jalen Hurts, you mentioned biggest upgrade. He was ranked 30th on Sando's list, mm-hmm. now ranked 20th. Oh, you know, I haven't looked at that raw data. What did we really – you know, we'll do this next week. I'll look at it and pass it around. So we'll socialize is what they call it, and then get some thoughts on it for next week. And we are going to do that forced over, okay? We got the Cooper stuff uh, – or not Cooper, C.D. Lamb. You're going under. Let's repeat our bets here. AJ? Matt Ryan over 3,900 yards. Derrick Henry under 1,350 rush yards. Okay. Now, Scott went with, uh, it was, what did he go with? I can't remember now. Someone under. Oh, it was uh, the San Francisco Debo. Debo Samuel. Debo under, right? Receiving yards. Under under 950-ish. Yeah. Is that right, McKenzie? Correct. Why are you asking me? I'm sorry. And and then mine, and I got a bonus coming up. Here's my bonus. And my first one was the Stafford under. But I'm actually going equal amount on under Cooper Cup. Now I got another bet, which is over Josh Allen rushing yard. Now this is an over Fez. Yes. You going to push a button on him? You want to push a button? No, thank you. No. I, no, saw, you, you I saw you make the sausage. No, you were, you were in on it too. But here's why I like it. From what I heard, Josh Allen's not going to stop running. That uh, The talk always is a quarterback starts running in the offseason, the age and everyone, hey, man, you get hurt, you know, blah, blah, blah. He, they want, I mean, 13 seconds from hell. Right, they were. I mean, they would have probably beat the Bengals. They would have been favored the same, if not more, than Kansas City. I would not have had them kick it into the end zone. I'd have them I do know, the order kick down to the three, and I they would know. be in the Super Bowl right now. I know. It's just, and and, and Buffalo is supposed to have one of the best coaching staff. It's a defensive coach, see. But who knows? But back to the pick <laughs> is he's still going to run, and you might say, well, how much did he pick up in the second half of the year? And what we saw was, McKenzie, when we looked at the playoffs and we looked at what, the last six games? The last four games, last six if you count the two playoff games. All right, so the last four of the regular season and two playoff games, six games, his average rushing yards was? 68 yards per game. All right, now we're going to figure 17 games. Understanding there's a chance he misses some. 17 times 60, what was the number? Eight, 68. 68 equals... 1,156 yards. I'll go under. His, <laughs> well, his over-under for yards is? 550. Half. 
half. Okay. Now you might say, yeah, but you're cherry picking. Well, it's when they decided they needed to run more because teams were going too high. And especially on the, apparently they're saying if it's third and two, he's running. Mm-hmm. Like he, they're going to do option type run. Either runs or, you know, why, what's that called? YPO or? Uh, RPO. RPO, right? Run pass option. And if we look at his average, the first chunk, whatever the smallest chunk, because we did it a couple different ways, right? It was initially it was eight games, then it was nine. So yeah. that one chunk at the beginning, give me just the most convenient chunk of it, like the average per game. First nine games, 35 yards per game. That includes the ninth game, which was three yards. Okay, so this is about as you can get, right? For 35. 35 times 17, 595. So here's, here's really the beauty of this. So if by some miracle, Buffalo suddenly and Josh Allen go back to running, not, not having him run the it ball. It would take him either getting hurt, you know, from multiple games or run the ball less often and less effectively than he did early in the year when he wasn't running when nearly he wasn't, as much yeah yeah so as long as he's got it, as long as he just runs the ball like he did to start the year last year when he wasn't running mm-hmm. you still cash if he plays 17 games i i mean i what is where's this line coming from because we always say they look at the odds and they extract, but they're not even doing. Well, I guess they are to some degree. They figure he gets hurt one game, but they, they probably but looked the at his last. They big. probably looked at his last three-year average. I'm guessing. Okay. Right. And you know, sometimes that listen. Sometimes it feels less relevant, but you got to get the the reps. This is a matter of intent. This is like when um, little Kyler Murray's hurt. And he goes from like 10 run, and this wasn't last year, but the year before, he's running 10 times a game. Now he's running two times a game. It's like there's something fundamentally different. What are you showing, McKenzie? Last three years, he averaged 560 yards. So likely, where that's where they got that number. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I think they should stick with it. Now, the, I mean, it, you think it's fair to the others that are trying to like sell it? Like, we got such good information at pregame.com. I mean, we can give away every, a lot of stuff and people are just gobbling up because they hear how smart it is and say, geez, this is the free stuff. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But I worry about the other sites that don't quite have that good stuff. Like their best stuff's not going to compare to this fest. So what do they do? Survival of the fittest. Yeah, I'm not really worried. I'm not worried. What about you, AJ? You worried? I'm not worried. I know you guys. Yeah. I, and listen, your <laughs> you're college. Oh, we got to do college this week again, right? Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm thinking about handicapping a few college teams. Like maybe pick a Super 7 and then at one point of the season throw out a team and bring a new team in. I have to like do a bunch Mm -hmm. of work on. And then every week I can probably just talk about two or three games that really matter. Because, you know, Alabama, I wonder if it would make sense for me to just handicap Alabama. Because like, you can bet all their derivatives. I mean, they got that long history of first halves, yep. right? I mean, would that be wrong? Can I just bet over 10.5 for Alabama? I don't care if they got to lay minus 220 or whatever it is. They're going to win 11 games. Uh, they're supposedly good this year. So I don't want to act like <laughs> I don't want to act like it was easy, you know, the whole Josh Allen thing, but. Watch me break them with the 7. 7 11. Oh, wait. 7 11. Seven even back don't look. No, it works. Seven hundred eleven rush said, yards. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the one that said I messed around and got a triple double, which is the same song. You know that, don't Today you? Today was a good day. That's a good song. Yeah. 
right, give me one. I second. never understood Mama cooked the bacon with no hog. I feel like. Oh well, like, one hog at breakfast. Yeah, but he's uh, like a what, what do you call that nationality? Doesn't he or the religion? Yeah, Islam. Yeah, is Islamic. Oh. Uh huh. Snack and bacon only has 190 calories. Dunkin' Donuts, good breakfast. So listen, I don't want to make a big deal about this. That pick. But AJ, how did you, how would you, you explain it? Kind of like I did McKenzie on the radio show. Why are you asking me about this? <laughs> All right, go ahead. I would say uh, you, you basically gave a, a a lesson. In what, value? Yeah. And, and how, to, how to empirically arrive at conclusions? What's I, empirical? Empirically, I, I don't know what it means, but it sounds good. Using data. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did that. What do you think, McKenzie? Oh, wait a minute. Arriba. Oh. You ever thought about teaching a master class? Yes. And then I saw it was too much work. <laughs> I would enjoy that. But I tell you this, time's going to come. A day may not come, but it may, that I'm going to ask a favor of you. <laughs> Till then, accept this justice. <laughs> That's good in the book. You remember The Godfather, right? Oh, that yes. was one of your movies. I was afraid, Godfather. <laughs> you can act like a man. They said that uh, Johnny Fontaine, there was all kind of stuff now. There was that thing about the making of it that was on, I think, Apple TV. Uh, it's got Robert Evans. Like they did, like people were playing Coppola and it's supposed to be really good. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but then they got the book, uh, Take the Gun, Leave the Cannoli, or Take the Cannoli, Leave the Gun. Wait, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli. Yes. That was actually Clemenza, the actor. That was his impromptu. That was his um, line that wasn't written in the script. Hmm. It's one of the great lines. And then for Godfather Two, he was supposed to be in it, Clemenza, but he wanted his own. He wanted to write his own lines. Because he wrote one good line. No, he just he's a playwright and hmm. he was a known guy, but not at that Coppola's level. Coppola said, "I can't write everyone else, not write you." And they he thought Coppola would give in. And then comes Frank Pantangeli, who replaced him at the last minute. Yeah. Remember, he had the black band. He said, Clemenza, he died of a heart attack. And then Cheech goes, ain't no heart attack. Remember? <laughs> what, what was he implying? He got whacked out. Oh, okay. By the Rosado brothers, I want them dead. Morta. And didn't you say, was it, was it the Godfather you were saying? They've done a, uh, a thing where someone like goes through and they're, like, they're giving commentary during. Yeah, someone's Francis Ford Coppola, the oh, director. Okay. But, but he did, uh, the, on YouTube, they got Godfather 1 commentary, Godfather 2 commentary, but the most important apocalypse now, extended cut. Great movie. You seen that one, Fez? No way. I read Heart of Darkness. Now, the fact he knows I am impressed. I think you said that about six weeks ago, and it was good, though. Yeah. I, I was shocked you read John. Well, I mean, it was a sign, right? Yeah. But the fact that you I used to knew, be educated. But how did you know that it was from Apocalypse Now was the um, inspiration for it? I don't know. That's good. So here's what's interesting. Uh, the original Apocalypse Now was, you know, long, but not super long. Then they did Redux in, like, 2000, and it came out on the big screen. I saw it twice on the big screen. It was long. Now they just cut like a year and a half ago. I just read about it. I didn't know about it during COVID. Coppola cut it. It's called the final cut. So he's, he took off like 12 minutes from the redox. 
So it's most of the redux, but he's taken out the parts he just hasn't sat well with them. And um, the one he did the commentary on on YouTube is for the long, long one. But he was talking about how he didn't have an ending. And like literally, for, like he had all his money up. And then there was a monsoon that came and it wiped him out. They had to shut down production like for three months. And Coppola was going bankrupt. And he didn't have an ending. Brando showed up. He was there for 10 days for th like $3 million. Mm. The first like four days, they, they don't shoot one scene. They're eating and just talking. And Coppola goes, Marlon, um, we got to start shooting. You know? he, and he goes, Marlon figures you have to buy, pay, pay another 10 days. You know? So he's eating, kind of delaying stuff. It is the most amazing story. And if you, if you want something really interesting, his wife, who I think stayed his wife and still is, did a... Um, documentary during the shooting of Apocalypse Now that came out like in 91 or 92. Um, God, what is the name of that? Can, can you just look up Apocalypse Now documentary? Sure. And uh, it might be called Heart of Darkness something, but um, it shows Coppola like going, cr I mean, like he is got all, imagine having every dog, like you, you won an Oscar for Patton. Like he actually wrote Patton, right? Before, then you win an Oscar for The Godfather. I don't know what you won for the conversation, but it was a ton. Uh, you know, Gene Hackman was in that. And then Godfather 2. I mean, many, I would say many people, I would say of all the movies ever made in American perspective, you've got Citizen Kane, you've got the Hitchcock movie, Vertigo, Godfather 1 and 2 are probably the four most named movies of the best movie ever. Even amongst critics and stuff, I think not as many critics. You make two of those in, in two years, and then you risk it all on a movie you don't even have a script done for. I mean, and it's funny. In, in the last thing, in the Godfather two commentary, he was talking about how this was a challenge. They were shooting bigger scenes and everything, and he goes, "I was fine with this." He goes, "Apocalypse Now." I never quite recovered from that. And, but he wasn't trying to be, like, he was really upset. Like, you could, because when you're talking for, like, hours, because those commentaries, they just turn on the mic and say, watch the movie and talk. Who knows how many times they go through it and they take the best of it. I mean, it was really, like, this really, like, because he really didn't make a great movie after Apocalypse. Mm. Right? I mean, what was his best movie after Apocalypse? So anyway, first off, Heart of Darkness, A Filmmaker's Apocalypse is the name of the documentary. It's great. But anyway, <clears throat> it's funny. He talks about his dad, who was a, uh, uh, a musician who did all, this, all the um, music for, like, The Godfather 1 and 2 and everything. And he's so happy when he hears his dad. It's like, you know, we talked about this. We'll talk about it sometime on air, AJ, not now, but how Coppola was not like a street Italian. He was like a very cultured, lived in Long Island. And he's just, Scorsese's gritty. Coppola's not gritty at all. And he's great, but not gritty. And I mean, I would make the case that no one, who has a better three movies? Last thing, Godfather 1 and 2 and Apocalypse Now, who, can, who has a better three movies than that? Anyone. John Ford, Kubrick. I mean, Kubrick's going to be in the conversation, right? 2001, Clockwork Orange, 
Doctor Strangelove? Not even a fan of Clockwork Orange. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, that too disturbing. Yeah, it certainly is is dystopian. Yeah, I agree. It's a wacky movie. Um, it's a beautiful piece of art. I mean, what's what it? about uh, Scorsese? But who's the third Kubrick movie? Mackenzie, you've seen Space Odyssey. You said, yeah, yep, yep. Clockwork Orange. I mean, it's either going to be Full Metal Jacket. Oh yeah, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket's not even in the conversation. Of his top three movies? No, no. Lolita. I mean, look at the, just look. Oh, Lolita. He was too. It was too young. He was still learning. I mean, just let's look at IMDb real quick and just look at the ratings. Just, to, I mean, it's going to gauge it. I pulled up the because uh, you said that the greatest movies ever. I pulled up the American Film Institute's list. I was going to give their top ten. See what if you said uh, yay or nay. Go ahead. Uh, number ten is Singing in the Rain. No. Number nine, Schindler's List. That list. <laughs> Number eight on the so waterfront. In a way, that Schindler's List invalidates the rest of the list because it's like it's a fine movie. It maybe it was the best movie of the year, the ninth best movie ever made. Have you ever watched Schindler's List after the first time? No. I, I, did you even see it, Faz? I only saw the one scene where the gun. The man, list. The, yeah, the gunman fa- m- malfunctioned like five times when they're trying to shoot someone. That was the only scene I saw. Doctor Strange, love we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Kubrick movie. Hmm. So look at the title of Dr. Strangelove, Faz. See right there? It says, Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Hmm. Remember before I said this is episode is blah, 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 blah. Or, yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ah. It's all coming around. The killing's good. It's about they, they rob a, um, a racetrack. It's, it's the whole thing is a procedural. It was like his first really major movie. Um. So to me, Paz of Glory is not, yeah, these are all before. So to me, it's 2000, Barry Lyndon's way underrated. So it's either The Shining or oh, Doctor Shining's Strange. also very good. Yeah, or Doctor Strangelove. Doctor Strangelove, some think is his best movie. But The Shining didn't have the scene with the typewriter. I don't even think it would be under consideration. No, I, I you know, if you ever want to, if you ever take an edible or something, Okay. Because this is one of those conversations. Is there's a movie called a documentary called Room I think two four two or whatever that room those kids were in the red room, and the whole mm. movie talks about theories of what this means or that means, and it's crazy. I mean, it like makes you wonder what the hell it is you're watching. I would say that movie's the most hypnotic movie I've ever mm, seen. Interesting. Like you, I'll, I'll, I'll re-see it. That's going been th- you can't watch years. it at home with your kid Johnny. You got to you know sit down. I mean, if he wants to watch, watch. But it's one. It's a scary movie. But it's one of those. You yeah. It's room two three seven, and uh, make it bigger. I just want to read the first paragraph. All right. So it came out in 2012, documentary, and it is about interpretations of the Kubrick film, The Shining, which was adapted from Stephen King. It's footage from The Shining along with Kubrick enthusiasts. It has nine segments, each focusing on a different element within The Shining, which may reveal hidden clues and hint at a bigger thematic over, how do you say that? Over. Over. Okay, now keep going. I wanna see what the nine are. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, give me the list of the... They're going to have the nine, aren't they? And it doesn't seem like it does, does it? All right. Well, you might want to check it out. Have you seen, you've, have you seen this? 237? Room 237? No. Uh-uh. All right. And I love The Shining, but I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's fun. But Kubrick spent like four years between movies. Okay, Fez, now we're talking preseason. 
Now, I used to make a killing in the preseason. It feels tougher these days. And I'm not just talking the information moves, which it's harder and harder to beat the big boys. How many bets do you make in the preseason? What do you think? Like, what do you think of the level of difficulty opposed to 15 years ago? Way, way more difficult. And let me let me outline what the problem is. The I've never seen so many power moves where we talk about the screen going black. Boom. You wake up. So it's a coordinated bat that's happening at a certain time for many people. Yes. So what happens is that Atlanta's catching three against Detroit. And then Arthur Smith, the coach, says, oh, I'm going to play my starters. You know, we're going to take it seriously. We didn't take it seriously last year. We're going to take it seriously. And normally what I would see is it would slowly week down to two and a half, and the next day would be two, slowly maybe go to pick like four days later. No, and like three minutes it goes from plus three to pick them. But isn't that a sign that the big boys are betting more and that the followers don't think there's anything left. There's no run because yes, I think the big boys are just saying they're just going out limit order. It's not saying it's any sharper. It's just they're betting more. They got more. They're back. They're by betting more, more money, more money at, into a less into a less liquid situation. You think that well less liquid than the but the do because you think they're betting the earlier. Season now is less liquid than it was ten years ago. Well, I think it's much more liquid. I think now. it's more liquid. But the but, amount of betting, but they're betting earlier. When but I think the liquid. amount of bankroll at play has grown even faster. Exactly. Yeah. So because of that, I see all these you know movements on sides and totals that are just literally they're moving three points in in 45 seconds. I never saw that before in the preseason. Here's the thing: I like to bet against line moves sometimes. Sunday morning, if it's the public running it up. Sunday night, Monday night. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, te- you know, teasers and stuff to inflate the line even. Uh, or if they have exposure for parlays and stuff. Highest total goes from a 52 up to a 53 and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think the preseason is one of them. Because when are they going to make – they're moving at three points, right? Why did they choose that? Because they believe that that last bet still offers them proper value. Mm-hmm. The next bet doesn't. Yes. That's they bet it, they bet it, they bet it. No thank you. That's when you're going to start batting it. And if they don't want it, you could make the case, well, they got so much in play before they take one more bite, mm-hmm. and maybe. But if it's not such a sharp move and the public has more say, like Sunday, you'll see a game all the time that goes from, I mean, you'll see like three and a half get up to six sometimes. on And those games that run, sometimes there's sharps involved, but a lot of times it's very public sides. They, they, I don't mind betting against the line move. So here, it's either you once the line moves, you either got to pass. I think that's all you can do. When it moves three points, you can't bet either side because you can't bet with the uh, sharps and you can't bet against the sharps. You're going to be in that corridor of minus 110. Yes, yes. So, you know, a good example, it's easy when we pass post at the Hall of Fame game. So mm-hmm. the Raiders go up from Pickham to minus two and a half. And, like, it'd be easy to say, oh, I'm going to fade that line move on the Raiders. It's going to happen that, all at once. Suppose that was a rash pick and that was the driver of it. Yes. A what it, pick? It, an RAS pick. Oh. Um, and what actually. The rationale behind this makes a lot of sense. It's well, Mc- it was hometown or whatever. Hometown. McDaniel grew up, you know, right outside of Canton and took the game seriously. And that's yeah. what or, uh, McKenzie and I are looking to do is find everyone's hometown, like where they went to college, like Kyler Murray in Texas, and just look at, like, who gets it. Some people are going to get psyched about these things. But you look at a player prop, If every time a guy goes back to Denver – yeah. If he puts up extra points because he's got 20 tickets out there, 
it's ne that's never going to, unless he talks about it and it gets picked up, that could happen for five, ten years. No one's going to pick up yeah, on it. Yeah, think about you going back to, to, to yeah, you whatever. Know, northeast you go to, to Dayton. Yeah, I go, I go to Dayton and it's like, boom, that's going to be my, that's my circled game of the year. You know, one thing you talk about the public and the like, and I would say if there's one theme that I hear is people, oh, preseason, it's lower scoring. I hear that all the time, lower scoring, long scoring. What's very interesting, I actually looked at the data here and I went to NFL week one of the preseason. And it went back to 2017. This is fascinating to me. It turns out the point of equilibrium in terms of where half the games go over and half the games go under, I thought the number would be like, eh, maybe 33. It's 35 and a half. In fact, the number of 35 and a half, 33 games have gone over since 2017. This is week one of preseason. Mm -hmm. 33 games have gone under. So, in other words, if I know nothing, I'm an odds maker. So let's go over this again. What years does this ban? 2017 to 2021. No games 2020. Okay. No preseason then. And these, this is week one? Week one of preseason. So not the Hall of Fame game after that. Yes. And the results are? The results are at a total of 35 and a half. If every game was lined at 35 and a half. But it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. But if it was, 33 overs, 31 unders. So... All so that feels like a, a good line on average. Right. So if I'm an odds maker, I don't know anything. Okay. I, so if you just took the average, I'd just make it, it 35. I'd make okay. it 35 and a half. Okay. For every game. But here's what's interesting. But obviously there's differences in teams. Obviously. Right? So higher and lower. But if you look at the openers, every single total opened below 35 and a half. And so currently, a couple. Uh, there's one that's higher now. Below 35 and a half, and yes. it's getting run up. And they're getting. Some are going up, some are going down. But in average, they're leaking upwards as they should because it's saying that. In if you said if you said every one opened below 35 and a half, and some go down, it never gets more heavy. But you're right. saying that's fine. That's just an under. Okay. So what's the point of this? Well, my my point is that I still think these totals are too low, in the aggregate. Why don't you just tell me what the like? What's the one loss record in week one for the overs and unders? I didn't. I didn't. I don't have them. I don't have access okay. to all this. Uh, Mackenzie, are you following this? Like I'm, I'm saying that as a listener, I'm trying to be the listener. If here. you bet overs, you made a lot of money. I'm sure of that. But, but we, I don't have the don't, exact. I don't yeah, have the exact I, numbers because I don't have totals on the all these preseason average games. Average total is 35 and a half. Or I'm sorry, the average result is 35 and a half. Now where, the, where half the games go over 35 and a half, mm -hmm. half of them. So it's like under. the median or whatever. The, yeah, median's the right number. Okay. The right well, word. Okay, so you got the median. Now, why does that tell us that games are going over, though? Because the totals, what's the average totals in week one? More like 33 and a half, historically. Okay. All right, and has there been any trend recently? Because let's be candid, the last couple of years with McVay, you're getting less quarterbacks playing. I mean, Fez, five years ago, four years ago, there wasn't a single quarter or a single team that didn't play their quarterback at least a half right yeah now yeah, that is an excellent point so i'm thinking that's just the era that we're seeing this, this is a strong point that you're making because in 2021 scoring was lower mm -hmm. so you might be onto something where there was at there were uh interesting nine games went under 35 only four games went over 35 and three games landed right on 35 so maybe this is a good point. Maybe the odds maker are in front of me here where they're projecting that teams are going to take scoring less seriously. Now why week one? I get it. You're playing the starters last. But if you got these teams that are, are not playing the quarterback any, isn't week one pretty much the same as week two and three? Yes. And the reason week two historically has been higher is, is usually that's, you know, you start to give your starters yeah, but an offense. Back in the day, tell me if you agree with this. Week three was always the dress rehearsal. Yes. And that was the most like the regular season. 
highest yeah. and the highest scoring of we, all the weeks. Most like the regular season, yes. right? Same. I mean, because effectively you That's got right. uh, week two was the next. Week one was the next most like the regular season. Week four was the least. Because that was always just to cut people Ooh. playing. I think week four no, was no. still more than week one. Nope. But I could be wrong. I'm I saying could be wrong. In yeah. week one, you would get starting line. I mean, it was a bye. Remember, there was not an – I think now there's a bye week after three. There's no four. So they had an extra week for cut. I mean, it was like – if you look at I – mean, remember, here's how, could I, be right. here's how I know I'm right. Phil Steele used to have an amazing – I mean, like a 15-year preseason record. He was like over 60%, mm. I think. I mean, it was really good. He, he did not release week four. He said it's so unlike, Too, yeah. it's so unlike anything. And, but now there is no week four. But this is really strong. Well, you're identifying week one because the data absolutely in 2021 pointed to a lower scoring week one. And I think maybe I if missed you throw, it. If you throw out 21, now you're going back to 19 because there's no 20. That's right. How's the da- you know, I mean, if you look at the data... Overwhelming to the overs. Yeah. Overwhelming. Like, there was only five games that went below 35 in 2019, only four in 2018. And then 2017, there were... Uh, there were nine games that went under. But, 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 but 2019 and 18 were really high-scoring week one. Let's do this. I, we got some straight out of Vegas from Fox Sports Radio. I did a little rant on the preseason. I think it was as well as I'm going to say it. So we're going to throw to that, but... As we're listening, Mackenzie, look up 2016. That was Brady. That was the year they came back against Atlanta, right? That was a different era. Who's the five best? Let's look at the three best quarterbacks. Well, look at five. The five best quarterbacks then. You got your list from 2016, Fest? Brady? <laughs> uh, was Manning still? Manning wasn't there in 16, was he? No. Retired at the end of 15. Yeah. All right. Would it have been Matt Ryan? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Matt Ryan. Because he had a, he was uh he was the MVP that yeah. year, right? I guess we had used Sandoz list. Yeah, use Mark Sandoz list. Get the top five, and see. All you got to do is go to Pro Football Reference, see how many uh, passes they threw in the preseason. Mm. And, and you're thinking it's a whole lot higher. I'm thinking that yeah. the, the average is going to be over 30 passes. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think this year is any of the top five going to? I mean, I guess Brady will probably still play some, maybe. Maybe. So you're right. Maybe fundamentally everything's changed here oh, we'll see first yeah. though let's hear our i think or uh, aj you were on this show right i was it wasn't the one you missed because your name oh my name i was man. there i was in, i was i was under anesthesia <laughs> let's listen let's talk facts let's talk dollars and cents here's the guy this is the best thing i can tell you this show nothing else is going to be this useful in general, I can tell you exactly how much opportunity there is in any sport to bet, even if I've never heard of the sport. Yeah, here's how. <laughs> What's the limits? Because the bookies want to take the biggest bets they can. They would love to take a billion-dollar bet. You know why they don't? Is because they're uncertain about how much of an edge they have. Now, at a certain point... at millions and millions of dollars it becomes about bankroll management right so even if you went to like the bellagio and said i want to bet a billion dollars on one roll of the dice they wouldn't let you because even though they know they have an edge let's say in in craps they don't want to risk like their entire net worth of the company on one roll but yeah, they other, don't lose a casino on a roll of dice yeah so other than that one extreme in general they're going to take as big a bets as they can when they know they have an edge. So if someone's a whale at blackjack, for example, 
a whale, W-H-A-L-E, is someone who bets gigantic money. That's a term that you've probably heard. And they they fly those guys in. If you saw the movie Casino, it depicted it. You know, If they want to leave, they try to get them not to leave. Uh, there's a great gambling movie called Owning Mahoney that Philip Seymour Hoffman played, a gambling addict from Canada. It's a famous story. And he ended up losing, I think, like $15 million of a, of a bank's embezzled money. And he liked fried chicken. So whenever he came to town, they had the chef making new fried chicken every 15 minutes, just thinking at one point he's going to want some fried chicken. And they kept dump, dumping the other, you know, when it got cold. You know why? Because that cost of that chicken is nothing compared to the theoretical hold the casino has when a guy's betting that much money. So they would do anything to, you know, or almost anything to get a whale and make him happy. So why are the limits less than gigantic in the preseason, for example? It's because the bookies know that the best batters know a lot more than they know. And they're just trying not to get, they're trying to get enough public action, people flipping coins effectively, Barney at the bar, that the people sharp, betting on their favorite team. It might be their favorite team, or they might be betting against the team they hate. Like last year, there was Green Bay against Houston. You hate Houston, or at least you <laughs> thought they were going to lose, and you said Green Bay must be a good bet. Well, it was your first yeah. lesson, AJ. How'd that turn out? Yeah. I learned my lesson. I, it's, it's, I'm 0-1 betting preseason NFL now. And here's the beauty of it. In general, bad teams are good in the preseason, and here's why. One, they have higher draft choices. Just look, think of the Jets in general. The Jet, now, again, you got a second-year coach. you got to consider the coach. I mean, we'll talk about Baltimore. The Baltimore Ravens have an amazing preseason streak to the point of people being mad at Harbaugh for getting people injured, trying to win pre- or at least seemingly risking injury to try to win a preseason game. But you know what? Historically, the best coaches – have cared about the preseason. They think winning is a habit. They think losing is a habit. Uh, Bill Parcells was famous. There was a, there was a lot of houses built, literally, from b- batters that bet Parcells in the preseason. Belichick isn't as extreme, but, you know, Harbaugh is. The history of the coaches really matter. Do they emphasize offense or defense? You can win with totals over-unders because of that. Also, every team has a dress rehearsal game. It used to be game number three. So the first, now remember, if you play Hall of Fame, you get an extra preseason game, which actually is a big advantage in week one, which is next week, because now you're playing your second game. The other team's playing their first. So there's a, a ton. I mean, I literally, we could do nothing but preseason handicapping stuff. And it would be, you know, for the hardcore battery, it would be interesting. We won't do that, but there's so many angles to it. And a great one is how well has the team been doing up to this point in the preseason? Because once a team get what a team doesn't want to do is if it's a bad team, especially, is go over in the preseason because now they lose the first two regular season games, and it used to be six game losing streak. Right now it's three, right instead of four, and. That makes the dress rehearsal game less clear. It used to be game three. And yeah. game four was always just for the cut line guys. So in a weird way, the emphasis used to be on how much is this like a regular game. It used to be 
that game three was the most like it. Game two was the second most. Game one was the third. And game four was the least like it. Well, now that's changed. Some people make game three their dress rehearsal. So, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the la- which is effectively the last game, where others are making it game two. So, this is all about reading... And, and, and there's people on Twitter, if you know the beat writers for each team, follow them. They're, they're in the press conferences, and they're going to tweet out right when they find, hey, quarterback's playing X, Y, Z. Now, here's I'm out of time. Here's another factor is how – is if you play the quarterback, you have to play the offensive line. You can't put a starting quarterback in with the backup offensive line because if he gets hurt, you're going to lose your job probably. So now, in a way, the quarterback is not only important, but he's a proxy for what the other offensive players are going to do starter-wise. So, AJ, just kind of did a brain dump there. What jumps out at you? Well, what you said about the quarterbacks playing or not playing, we, that's going to be the case tonight. It looks like Jacksonville's top two quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Beathard, both sitting out tonight's game. Okay, so, um, well, yeah, when you're as good as Trevor Lawrence, why would you need any reps? <laughs> He's got, a, got it all figured out, but I, I guess that, that speaks to how, how much you're going to see of the, the regulars in general now for Jacksonville, because it wouldn't make much sense to have the well, entire starting remember, offensive line out there. See, I, I disagree with that. I, I, don't th- I think in general I agree with you in that it shows what the intention of the coach is. How much are they focused on winning and losing? Yes. But there's no reason that if they wanted the offensive line to get reps, that having a backup quarterback makes them more prone to injury, right? So, if you know, and I'm not sure what they're doing on the O-line tonight, but what I'm saying in general is if you have the starting quarterback, you certainly are going to have the starting offensive line. If you have a backup quarterback, I think it lends itself to a backup line, but you're not as sure. Would you say now that they, they've kind of scaled back the, the preseason, do you think that there are, there are less, less reps that are being taken by the first-team guys? It seems like it's now more it about like, the bottom it, of the roster. It, than Wouldn't it naturally be the opposite, though? I thought so, but I, it just feels like last year it seemed like there were, there were less reps being taken by the starters. It was like, if, you're right. you, if we assume you're a starter, you're just going to take, you, take a couple and get out of there, and we'll let everybody else kind of shuffle themselves in or out. But it seems like now they're giving more credit to the guys that they know they want out there starting come week one. You're right. And I don't think it's across the league. I think it's very team-specific. So, for example, McVay has been famous – I mean, remember last year, new quarterback who happens to have tendonitis at this point. Boy, he won that Super Bowl. Now there's all kind of trouble but <laughs> for your boy. But anyway, the fact of the matter is that, that, that what the Rams have done and what other teams have done, if I recall, um, Green Bay does this now under uh, you know, the new regime, is it's a situation where they don't, they're not going to play their starters no matter what. Right. Or at least their quarterback and not even for a snap. Like the the big thing, even the dress rehearsal would be you want to play them two plus quarters because you want them to have one experience of playing the first quarter, second quarter, go in for halftime, then have to come out and play again. Right. Because you don't really replicate that typically. You're playing, you're playing, you have a 20 minute break. Now you're playing again. And that was the old school way. And some coaches still do that. So you got to understand what has the coach done in his career and what has he done last year? Because that's going to be the most telling because it was, you know, it did decrease the number of games. 
I would have thought that would have emphasized it more. But like I've seen Chicago's talking that they're going to play like it's they're going to play almost it looks like a lot of starters a lot of the game including Fields in week one. So this is you can't bet these preseason games unless you understand what the rotation of the starters is going to be and that's all about information and it's all pretty much available on the web. Closing thoughts, and, agent. And both coaches tonight, first you know first time coaches at least with these teams, Doug Peterson and Josh McDaniels, who have both been coaches elsewhere, but first time with these particular teams. Yeah, and I think the way, in general, the league's moving away from playing the players, so. If a coach didn't play him in his former stint, I think it's very unlikely they're going to convert to play them now. If they did play them, I would still be uncertain if they will because of the way the league has gone. Yeah. But my understanding is at Denver, uh, he didn't play his starters very much in, in that, what was it, one preseason or, or I guess two? I can't remember. I think he had two preseasons. Uh, in Denver. So if he didn't play him much then, you assume he's it's going to be, be less, e- either equal to or less now. Yes, because the general trend is down, yeah. and I don't think t- you're either going to follow that or you're going to be impervious to it, but you're probably not going to buck it because your initial inclination was whatever it was, right? So uh, guys that did play at their first stint, their starters a lot, I think it's either they do or, or they won't. If they didn't, I almost think it's sure they won't because it would take bucking the trend to go up now it was good man i I mean i'm pretty much done (laughs) fez has a mountain of research but we did look at this mckenzie pulled it night 2016 top five quarterbacks rogers brady big ben cam newton drew Brees, noodle arm the average number of throws in the entire preseason for each quarterback 27 last season rogers mahomes brady wilson josh allen 13 that's less than that's, half, as yeah, I was going to say. I think it's affecting the, the spread. Make, affecting the total. The total. Yes. Mm-hmm. It clearly is. And I think, you know, th- this is it, it's fascinating how fast developing things are because I was thinking, I'll oh, just take the last four years of data and I'm looking over it. And that's why. That's the great lament in the NFL. You, you either got to use data that's not applicable or you don't have enough data. Exactly. It's not a data. It's an it's an analysis sport. It's an analytic sport. It's not a big data sport unless you're going league wide stuff. And now when you get you follow me league wide, then you can do it. If you go in teams, forget about it. Yeah, and and also it's a copycat league. So who just won the Super Bowl? The Rams. Who plays what? Who who plays who plays no one in the preseason? The Rams. Mm -hmm, Right. Well, there certainly has been a move in that direction. Yeah. All right, last thing for me, and then you've got your your big your, – it's almost like a dissertation. Are you going to get your Ph.D. in preseason football? No. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right, here's my question. What do you do with teasers? There's a bunch of Wong teasers, advantage teasers, and preseason's got low totals. It looks juicy. Do you, I mean, what, what are the typical books doing out there? What do you advise? Yeah, so a lot of the books – aren't even taking teasers. Mm-hmm. And that's a sign. Of, of your 28 books, how many are taking teasers? Well, it's two right now, very few of them. Because it's far, you know, the first games are what? Thursday, Thursday yes. Okay. So we'll see. I'll, I'll do an analysis for you on, on, on Thursday. But there's three schools of thought. One, I don't want NFL teasers on preseason. Well, what's that score of thought? That seems stupid. The, it the is games, stupid. The games have low variance. The games are low scoring. What do you want? No, no, the bookmaker. The bookmaker oh. says, I don't want any part of these. Well, he's scared. He's scared. Well, I that, wanna, you but, know what that means? I want to be mother effing greedy. That's right. Well, that's the second school thought. I want to be MF greedy. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you tease it, but I'm going to charge you. Cockroaches. Yeah. Let's just double up. Cockroaches. 
not going to roll just yet. I'm going to charge you minus 130 on a six-point teaser, minus 150 on a seven-point so teaser. The, yeah. So, you know? so what, do you, what, is the, what is the most common preseason lay price? I would say 20. I would say six minus 120, seven minus 135. And it's not worth no, that. No, minus heck. 140, minus 140. And usually, do you ever go with seven pointers if it's getting you through a key number? Yes. Okay. Do you ever tease through zero? Mm. Don't say it. Yes. I, I think the only way to do that is I've seen people talk, I've never done the work. I think Tony George did it once and it didn't make sense, but but I'm not sure if it's wrong. If you go from three and a half to three and a half. Yeah, what you want is you, you, gotta, want, you, you have to do seven. You right? want a team that's minus three, like lay a dollar fifty, all right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you take a seven point teaser and you tease them up to plus four. Yeah. Right? The theory is they don't account for you think nowadays with the ability to do props no matter what you add it can adjust you think instead of having these set lays they just have you drag in the teams and it you might be laying something exactly but what they do is they they just delete the extra vig on the side it's analog right exactly so that's the only but but effectively never so so if you can get down on it get down meaning these advantage teasers at the right price Yes. So what's the right price? The what's right the price. max you're going to lay and feel comfortable? Six if teams, you had no other choice. 16 minus 120. All right. And that's out there. If you have if you have three books, you probably got one that's going to do it game day. Yes. And is there any any two games that you think are particular? How many t- uh, advantage teasers are there in the corridor? Like there's, seven, you said, right? You're there's about 10. Okay. What do you think at the end of your uh, dissertation you can give to your, your teaser of the week? I will do that. You, do you want to or not? Yes. You seem resistant. But here's why I'm resistant. I like to play teasers right before the games kick off. It's it's counterintuitive. Do a podcast and distribute it right before, and then I don't think that's possible. I'd like to. Can I tweet it? Yes. So game day. What game is game day? You got to give Thir- it the day. There's two. There's Thursday 4 p.m. and a 4:30. I will tweet it right before at 3:30 Pacific How many games Thursday. Are there Thursday. Two. Well, there's only two advantage teasers, so that's and there's not gonna, only one that, that, that that's applies. not going to be today. Okay, so Friday, there are f- five. Every game qualifies on Friday. Okay, so Friday, when's the first game? Three o'clock Pacific. Okay, so Friday by two o'clock Pacific. Beautiful. You're going to tweet your week one preseason game or teaser of the decade. Yes, but you don't have to call it that. Yes. All right, I like that, and your Twitter is at Fezzik Sports, all right? F-E-Z-Z-I-K is Fezzik. Sports, you know, it's all one word, at Fezzik Sports. It's not Fezzik is the real. No. That's AJ. AJ, what do you think? You want to put something out? You got a college pick? You know what we should do? Let's do this. Give your Twitter. At AJ is the real. Is that spart <laughs> R-E-A-L? That is correct. But not real like in a movie. Right. Okay. <laughs> and... And I think you should give a college pick on something, week one, uh, win total on SOV this week at some point. But let's say before Friday, so either Wednesday or Thursday. And then you can take that audio and tweet it out. Okay. And that is AJ is the real. This is all, we got to incentivize you to find that tweet. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. (laughs) At what point did you start regretting that? I still don't. 
Really? I mean, I regret that we spend so much time talking about it, but, but I, I don't worry about it. Like marketing and stuff. No, no I, I mean, I think if people want to follow you, they'll find you. It, it's not like it's not like it's uh, my Wait. name is written in Chinese a- or something. AJ Win Seven would have been easier. I mean, he sounds like a child. Hmm. It's so. Fu- I mean, it's like marketing is all about lowering friction. You sound like a child who constantly brings up the same thing to pick on me about. You're like because a, I'm a trying childhood to enti- bully. I'm trying to. Oh yeah, I'm trying to entice you. Well, one, you do realize by me making a big deal about it, people pay attention, and that's the 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 deficiency of your name gets um, subverted. In your marketing class, would me changing my handle at this point be a positive or a negative thing? I don't. I, mark, I haven't been in a marketing class since '92. <laughs> I, I've innovated in a certain space the case could be made, wouldn't you say? I do agree with that. But my opinion, you're saying, please don't give me your opinion about how I should mark. No, I don't think you're giving me your opinion. I think you're just... You don't think I truly believe that's a, a horrible handle? Well, I mean, I'm asking you seriously. If I changed it today, would that be a good... I don't understand how that works. I, I, I never change it. I know that Catch-22 is you, you don't have that handle anymore, and any links to it, so other, another person can grab it once right. it's out. Now, what you could do is grab it right away in theory and redirect it. All right. A little more preseason NFL conversation. And, Fez, let's start out. You've got some theories on distribution of points. Yeah, so I went ahead and went back because I've heard that the three is not as common in preseason uh, because teams avoid overtime at all costs. So, obviously, you're not going to get overtime results. And teams go for two down one, so one and two are more common. And the data certainly supports that. So I went back three years of preseason, the last three years they played, and here are the numbers. So the most common outcome, teams win by seven, 9% of the time, games land on seven. And where is seven rank in the regular season? During the regular season, it would be second. Okay. Three would easily be slam dunk, the most common margin right. of victory regular season in the preseason. Three is actually the third most common. It, threes hit uh 7.6 percent of the time okay so sevens hit at nine percent now this is amazing two winning by two which never hits no. in the regular season ever eight percent of games um have actually 12 of 144 games have hit and landed on two and six percent eight of them have landed on one and how far back does this data go this goes back just three years it, it, so is that enough of a of a I guess, a database to say, okay, these are what the key numbers are? No, but it's a good guideline. And I didn't want to go further back because I think that, like, when I went back three years, I'm already back to 2018, and that was kind of the point where, all right, the memo went out, we're not going to play overtime anymore. Because if I said, give me, if you gun to your head, this is the most key number for NFL preseason this year, are you going to say seven or are you going to say three? I'm going to say seven. Really? Okay. And and here's why. Because seven, when a team, uh, it, it, at the end of the game, if a game's tied, team scores a touchdown, they, they're going to win by seven, okay? I still think when a t- team is down 14 and they score a touchdown, they're not going for two in the preseason, they kick the extra point, they, they go to seven. Games on 10 go to seven. Games on four go to seven. But a game that is on, at the end of the game, when a game is on seven, it cannot get to three. It's it, it, it it's and that's really the key is that going from seven to three used to is easy during the regular season and it's impossible during the preseason because after the touchdown the coach always goes for two. Okay, uh, I guess that makes some sense. All right, let's talk about and Mackenzie and I have kind of been we, like when we put together the SOV rundown every day, 
we've kind of been kicking around this idea about the Baltimore Ravens, and they finally broke the record. Most consecutive preseason wins, 20 in a, 20 in a row. Are they going to – is this – you know, Harbaugh loves to win in the preseason. He likes, he believes there's, it leads to a culture of winning. Or do they say, well, we've got the record. Now I don't care what happens. I think the latter. I think that this will probably be a likely selection play for me Thursday night. The Titans are catching three and a half against Baltimore. So what happened? This, this line opened as low as two and a half at the opener. All the money on Baltimore. My God, they're twenty and zero straight up. Yeah, eighteen and two against the spread. All Harbaugh wants to do is win. Got to bet Baltimore in the preseason. Got as high as five in some spots, and now all the money's coming back on Tennessee. Why? Why would anybody bet against an, a twenty and zero run? Well, there's a lot of logic behind it. That um, Baltimore. What happened last year? Baltimore got injured. Lots of injuries, and that train wrecked their season. And Harbaugh has said, you know what, we got to keep guys healthier. Yeah. Because of that, you know, other than the running back position, whether you're going to try and out the running backs and the running backs might get some use, I could see the starters playing a whole lot less than the Ravens had in prior years. And frankly, if you look at that 20 0 run, a lot of those games were fairly close also that they wound up winning. It's still three and a half. And we talk about, hey, one's really important, two is really important, three's still important. You know, those are three key numbers you're crossing at three and a half. Bold prediction, I think the line closes three. I would gobble me up some Tennessee Titans. In fact, I'll make that a best bet. Titans plus three and a half right now. Lock it in. Now, on the other side of that, do the Titans have any real motivation to go out and, and do something here? I mean, we know, obviously their offense revolves around Derrick Henry. I highly doubt we'll see Derrick Henry. Yeah, no motivation. At, at, no extra motivation at all for, uh, for Tennessee here. All right, so we've talked about distribution of points, like where the game lands. What about the totals? We've, we, you and RJ, when we all talked about the totals being lower, way lower in the regular in the preseason than they are in the regular season. Talk about distribution in that form. Yeah, and I think I'm going to let you draw your own conclusion from all this. And you know what? It's possible that you may want to consider teasing some really, really. I would never suggest this, but like. We're seeing some totals dropping to 30, 29 and a half. And uh, I can't say that the, the data absolutely supports this, but it's possible you might want to look to tease um, some totals as low as these numbers are. But let me just give you the numbers, and you can go ahead and, and maybe uh, work some of this out on your own. But um, over the last four years, and this is actually week one of the preseason only, 17 games have landed 30 or less. 28 games have landed 38 or more. And 19 of the games have landed from 31 to 37. So that's 19 games out of a sample size of 64. That's about 30% of the games land 31 to 37. So where I'm getting at here is that if you're picking up an extra 30% for a win rate on your uh, totals by picking up that extra six, or I guess in this case, seven points, 31 to 37. It certainly, I think, is within the realm of possibilities that um, if you're looking to tease totals, especially recognizing numbers like 37 are key, 31 are very important as well, that um, it would not be, it would not surprise me when these totals all of a sudden, if you got a total of like 28 and a half, Considering a teaser over 22 and a half, 
Uh, it might <laughs> it might well have value. And like you said, we're under thirty four and a half. And this isn't not a lot of places are allowing teasers for preseason stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, so this is the sort of thing where if you already liked an under or an over. Um, I'm really not sure, but I'm not going to dismiss that there could be value actually teasing the totals as low as that they've 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 they're coming on some select games. Certainly, I'm much more inclined to tease a 30 total than a 37 total. All right, before we get out of here, and we're going to do some college football tomorrow. There'll be another college football pod out uh, going over. We're going to go through every conference, give out the. Uh, our, our prediction for the the winner of the conference and a win total in each of the major conferences. And we'll go to college football to our guy Dave Essler, who's got a best bet on Virginia Tech this year. I love when I bet college football, Virginia Tech over six and a half regular season wins at plus 125. I heard a rumor somebody else had to take on Virginia Tech as well. Love to hear it. This isn't going to be easy, hence plus 125. But for their upside, I think this is mispriced. I think we get their upside. You know, they lost Burmeister. To, he transferred to San Diego State. Uh, their quarterback, understandable, he's from La Jolla. Um, because of the transfer portal, or via the transfer portal, uh, they get quarterback Grant Wells in from Marshall, where he played all the last season, much of 2020. Uh, and he played really well in their spring game. You know, 2021's leading rusher, Blackshear, uh, he's with the Bills as an undrafted free agent. But, you know, he didn't get drafted. Malachi Thomas should slide right in. He had 93 carries last year, almost five yards per game. He's not unfamiliar with Blacksburg. On the outside, they didn't have anyone catch more than 44 passes. It was a byproduct of their offense, which is going to change. They have Caleb Smith, their third leading receiver, brought in Jaden Blue, played three years at Temple. They'll be fine. Their offense will change under first-year coach Brent Fry, who spent the last seven seasons coaching defense with Penn State. So he's not a fish out of water here. And he inherits a defense that's bringing back 76% of their production. Look at the Hokie schedule. It's the easiest in the ACC. Old Dominion, Wofford, and Liberty maybe should provide a nice floor with BC, West Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Virginia, all toss-up games. They're all in Blacksburg. Notre Dame and Clemson are not on their schedule. It seems like people wrote them off with all the losses and not looking at the gains and the schedule. So I bet the Hokies over six and a half regular season wins. Yeah, I, I have questions about Brent Fry, the new head coach, the D.C. from Penn State, but what I do not have questions about is his schedule. Uh, this is a, a cupcake schedule for Virginia Tech. Uh, preseason, they, they start out against Old Dominion, Wofford, and Liberty. I mean, this is this is six and a half wins. It, John Walford, it, Wofford. Hmm. Yeah, this should be a, a very yep the Terriers very manageable schedule, particularly early and late for Virginia Tech. So I, I and plus one twenty five. Yeah, I, I uh, it's got my stamp of approval on it for Dave Vessler. An extra uh, half game and a college football season win, maybe worth sixty sixty five cents. You think by by the half for like sixty Sounds about cents? Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, that is going to do it for the Dream Preview. This was not the Fezzik Focus pod, believe it or not. I know that some of you, the last few minutes may have felt that way. Not the case. That'll come back this week as well. So uh, getting back in the groove of things as we hit uh, NFL season time. Get, get ready for the big boy stuff. All right, Fez, what do we do to get out of here every week? Hey, hey, hey! Let's be careful out there. Hey.